Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with Rip Brown, Andrew Velez, and John Carlos. And this is now episode 150. In this episode, we are going to react to the NBA All-Star starters, Nets not trading James Harden, Knicks struggles, and which playing teams we feel will or won't make the playoffs. We also have a special guest on this episode, Sigourney Jackson, a.k.a. Hoop Politics on TikTok, to talk about his recent growth, politics and basketball, share his This Week in the NBA, and much more. And a quick Patreon shout-out to Drew Stop Whining, S.A. Crimes, Kevin, Woody Buckets, Tizzy, Corey, Max, Freddie, Dylan, Playboy, Orlando, Chris, Charles, Michael, Greg, Cole, On Bloods, Ka, Liam, T Grove, B Money, Ryan, Epic Lankiness, Travis Ball, Aaron Moran, Matthew Jimenez, It's Black Ace, Anthony, BJ, PJs, Langston, Jazzy Juice, Johannes, Ruben, Brian, Ricky, E, Enzo, Sean, Muffins, John, Sean Triplett, Court Cousins, Ben Mack, P. Dot, George, Hakari, Mateen, Dave Two Freedom, and Jay Aqua. Good old Jay Aqua, baby. And Sensei Stevie is also a new Patreon. Just subscribe to our Patreon six hours ago. So shout out to him as can I, well. Can, can I ask really quick? Someone changed their name to Drew Stop Whining? No, somebody joined with the name Drew Stop Whining. Really? Yes. Really? I've been seeing those comments a lot, to be honest. I have been seeing that, too. God forbid I show a little bit of emotion. I'm whining all of a sudden. Whatever, though. It is what it is. We take it. Yeah, very long intro. But, yeah, we have a special guest. Hoot Politics on TikTok, man. It's so nice to have you on. We were talking a little bit before we started the show. And originally, we were going to have you on for one segment. But... We're in Jersey. We got snowed in. We're doing this through Zoom. So we said might as well just have you on for the full show. So thank you for being here. Yo, man, I really appreciate it, man. This is like super dope. Like y'all got it all professionally set up. Like I'm like super excited and I'm super nervous at the same time. So it's going to be cool. So before we start, uh, what's the origin of who politics? I know it's a play on politics and basketball. And from what I can gauge, it's more of about how players it's not necessarily they lack the skill or talent it's more so about the opportunity that they don't get which is the reason that holds them back from elevating in the basketball world yes sir um i mean basically you kind of hit it right on the head i mean um a lot of who politics is based on my own experience and you know going from being a kid who was 6'2 playing center in high school with nobody reaching out to playing a couple of AU tournaments in the summer and becoming 6'3", 6'4", playing the shooting guard and how my entire world changed. I went from being absolutely nobody to having D1 schools reaching out to me. And I realized that the only thing that was difference between me then and now is the team I was playing for and the position I was in. And as I continue to keep on going in basketball, I kept on seeing how a lot of times it really just came down to situations that sometimes are outside of your control because of the lack of knowledge. But if you know the, if you have the knowledge and you know where you have to be at, then you can kind of work things more in your favor. I always use the analogy. If you had like, are you, are you in school right now? Let me ask you that. Yeah, I am. 
Okay, so what college you go to? I go to Montclair State University. That's a nice school. I've heard of him. So Montclair, let's say you have a full, you graduate with a 4.0 GPA in accounting and you go and put your resume in for a job. Somebody else comes in with a 4.0 GPA, same degree, same everything, but theirs is from Harvard. Who's going to get that job? Harvard. Okay. So we understand that where you come from and who vouches for you is a major thing in all facets of life. But for some reason, sports is the one place where everybody just feels as though my hard work and nothing else has led to my success. And that's just crazy to me. Yeah, that's an interesting take. And you have videos on your YouTube talking about Damian Lillard's journey. You reply to people all the time on your TikTok and answer these questions. And I, I will say that I think when I first found your account, I instantly knew that you knew what you were talking about when you find people you can see you can see it in them already and that's why i think this is going to be a great show just your perspective on the topics we have at hand today today i think it's going to be a blast man i really appreciate man i'm ready to get into it so questions do it did we ever find out who who has who's covering my burner account or not nah Uh, okay. so you big time you got a burner account that's uh, great yeah it's pretty sick honestly bro <laughs> that was hilarious hey, look i they got even, all your I takes can... down by heart too they're like ah lebron sucks where's curry <laughs> it makes it look like it's me and it's really not me bro that was hilarious i'm like yo what is Riv doing with an account with Riv's burner account they're like bro i'm I don't just think it's Riv. i'm just happy that you you didn't get banned on twitter again Bro, Yo, he's for back. He's back. Hours, on Twitter? Uh, yeah, he 11, yeah, I got banned a few times. It's like my seventh account. Jeez. Y'all, I, I don't know how y'all do it. Y'all be getting banned and then just come right back on and build another following. Like, <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah, that is a lot of work. Uh, on to our first topic of the day. We're going to react to the NBA All-Star starters from the Western Conference, John Morant, Steph Curry, Wiggins, LeBron, and Jokic made it. From the East, it was Trey Young, DeMar DeRozan, KD, Giannis, and Joel Embiid. The one surprise here was Wiggins. And, Riv, you're wearing a Golden State jersey, so how do you feel about somebody from a team you're repping making the All-Star game as a starter, and it being Andrew Wiggins? Well, you know, I've seen a lot of people talking about it. I've seen a lot of people kind of hating on it. First of all, shout out to Andrew Wiggins. You know, he was the number one pick in the draft. He was projected to be the next LeBron. You know, it was a lot of hype around him. And, you know, years later, he finally gets to the All-Star game. Shout out to him. He's a big piece for why the Warriors could possibly win a championship this year. He's one of their best defenders on the team. He's been one of their best three-point shooters on the team. So shout out to him for that. Um, if you look at the West, right, you look at the forwards in the league. Luka's counted as a guard. So just if you look at the forwards, Brandon Ingram's team is horrible. Paul George has missed damn near two months. Kawhi has missed a season. LeBron got in. You know what I'm saying? It's like Anthony Davis. He missed a lot of time. So when you really like at first when it came out, of course, people were like, whoa, like this looks a little crazy. But when you really dive into it and look at the West, there wasn't many guys who really deserved it over him at the time because of injuries. Obviously, I don't like to use ifs, but if Paul George was still playing, he probably would have took Andrew Wiggins' spot as a starter. I think we can all agree on that. Paul George probably would have been a starter with LeBron James. So I think just looking at it, you know, 
what he's done in Golden State going there and then just changing his whole game, becoming a three-point shooter, being that lockdown defender. I think that is probably why he got in the All-Star game, being one of the best defenders. And even though his numbers, his counting numbers don't look that great, you know, 18-4-2, and you could probably find guys better. But at the same time, what he brings for the Golden State Warriors is something that you just can't replace. You know, people thought he like people, people assume that he can go there and probably change his image. But at this level, we didn't see, you know, him being a lockdown defender. So, you know, for Wiggins, for me, I felt like he deserved it looking at the circumstance of the league. And of course, talking about the whole all-star game, you know, John Morant, shout out to him. He definitely deserved that spot. Steph Curry, even though he's struggling, you're not going to put another guard at his spot to start the West all-star game. And of course, LeBron James, he deserved it, the Joker. And then in the East, I mean, like, it's tough because people looked at winning and said Zach should have got it over Trey Young. And then people, another side of the party says DeMar DeRozan should have been a forward. But if DeMar DeRozan was a forward, he wouldn't have started. Let's just be honest. Kevin Durant and Giannis were going to start that game. So it's it's really tough. I look at Trey Young and I say, well, his team's been hurt a lot this year. His team's been missing, you know, they've been missing some time and he's putting up 28 and 10. He's been phenomenal in himself. I didn't mind him starting over Zach Levine. Zach Levine definitely deserves to be in the all-star game, but I'm pretty much okay with the starters. I think they not, they didn't hit it right. They didn't hit it right, but I think it's okay. And I wouldn't disagree with nothing. I mean, I'm really not too upset with the starters by any means on the Eastern side. You have Joel Embiid, who's right now probably number two MVP. You have Kevin Durant, who, when he's on the court, top two ball player in the world. Trey Young's having an all-world season, averaging almost 29 points per game over double-digit assists. You have DeMar DeRozan, who's been absolutely excellent this season with the Chicago Bulls. And now you want to go to the West. This is where things get a little bit dicey. Devin Booker should be in conversation for a spot on this starting rotation. And Rudy Gobert, I understand Rudy Gobert is not a popular name in the terms of starting uh, an all-star game, in terms of fan favorite. Rudy Gobert has what? the ha, I think he should be a starter, at least be in conversation for over a cat. He's, he's the best. Carl Anthony Towns is interesting. Carl Anthony Towns missed a good amount of time with COVID. Uh, I will say Carl Anthony Towns is a good idea. That being said, you have Rudy Gobert who's averaging. 15 rebounds, almost 17 points per game, the number one defensive big in the league. If his team was a little bit higher in the Western Conference right now, right now they're the four seed. So it makes it a little bit difficult for him to really be in that starting conversation. But Wiggins is having a great season, and I don't want to take anything away from him. But for both these guys, Devin Booker and Rudy Gobert, to be left off, Andrew Wiggins isn't a top 25 ball player right now. And that's with all respect to what Andrew Wiggins has done. That sounds very rude to say he's not a top 25 ball player to have Rudy Gobert, who is the defensive anchor that he is as much as he means to his squad. He's not the flashiest ball player, but skill wise, he he is definitely one of the most beneficial to his team, if not the most beneficial to the Utah Jazz. It, It definitely I understand that reaction. It's Rudy Gobert. He's in Utah. It's not even that. It's the Joker's starting. So it's like, that's what the reaction was. I get it. But then you still have Giannis, who's about seven feet tall. He's he's a point forward slash center at this point in his career. He's not he's not really doing anything else outside of that. You have Jokic, who really is a center, but he's playing that point forward type position. He's he's a center really changing the position, but he's that point forward. What would be the real issue of having him play that point forward, having Rudy Gobert at center? 
for me at least, so that you actually can clean up. So you're so you're. you're I think Wiggins belief. is. I think so Wiggins should have made the All Star team, but pers- as a starter, that's stretch. So, so you have Rudy over Cat if you were doing the starting thing over. I, I would. I would. Wow. That's interesting. So, Sig, but, I, I saw you make a face when he said Wiggins wasn't a top 25 player. Do you do you think he is a top 25 player? Man, look, I guess I look at things different. I don't I don't base it on just like numbers all the time, you know, and I can't regurgitate numbers. But I look at Andrew Wiggins and I think that this year, the way he's playing, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to say that he might be playing like a top 25 player when I look at his impact on the offensive end of the basketball, I think he's shooting like the best percentage from the three-point line that he's had. In his career. He's, you said what now? 41%. Right. You know, he's, he's shooting the ball at a high level. He's locking defenders up. I mean, he's locking basketball players up. Um, he's doing a lot of the little things that he's just so effortlessly fitting into the Golden State Warriors. And I think that, I think that, People are putting a lot of emphasis on what Draymond brings to the table, especially now that he's not a part of the roster right now with the injury. But I think that Andrew Wiggins is not getting as much credit as he deserves. Now, I'm not necessarily against anybody saying that Andrew Wiggins maybe shouldn't have been a starting um, all star uh, start uh, starting a starter in the all star. But um, top 25, I think that it's definitely something that could be argued. I think as far as how he's playing this season, now throughout his career, nowhere near. But as far as this year, who 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 would you name are better small forwards than him in the league right now, especially with Kawhi being out? Paul small George is tough. one. Paul George definitely comes to mind. KD is one. Of course. Would you LeBron, put Brandon obviously. Ingram over Wiggins? No. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't not right now. And I think that Brandon Ingram, I think the buckets he gets doesn't equate to winning. Chris Middleton? I think B.I. is more talented. Nah, but we're talking the West. He's talking West. because uh, West, oh, he's talking West? Yeah. No, but he's just saying, like, small fours in general, though. Chris Middleton. Oh. I feel like Middleton and Wiggins kind of do the same thing for their teams. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Chris Middleton's more of a polished scorer. Definitely. I think but, Wiggins is a better defender. Yeah, that's Definitely a better defender. Facts. So it's like, that's kind of like, the like you can kind of use the same thing you say with Wiggins with Middleton. <clears throat> the same thing. See, so, But if we're talking in general, then you have to look at Tatum. You got to look at Jimmy Butler. Like these are guys I'm taking over him clean. JB is Absolutely. a two slash three. It's like I'm taking these guys over them for sure. Is he top over ten? For- Should be top ten, right? Top ten small forwards. I'm that's I'll interesting. Give that every single day of the week is Andrew Wiggins a top ten small forward in the NBA currently? So we have LeBron. That's one. Jimmy Butler two. Paul George three, but he's not playing. Chris Middleton four. Jalen Brown two three. That's five. DeMar DeRozan, at six. Jason Tatum. I think I mentioned Tatum already. Or did, did I? You, no? said Jaylen, you said Jalen Brown. Okay, so Jason Tatum's another one. Kevin Durant. You Kevin didn't Durant. say Kevin Durant. What about Brandon Ingram? So you guys no. are not taking Brandon Ingram over I, Wiggins? I probably wouldn't. If he the can criteria is impact in winning, no. We're what about talking talent alone? B.I., yeah. What He's, about Gordon Hayward? No. No. I would take Wiggins. No. Yeah. Now, I'll tell you this. I think the one thing that Andrew Wiggins and Gordon Hayward have in common is both of them getting paid too much money. Ooh. Oh. How about OG and Anobi? Oh, no, no, no. Statistically, it's closer than, than, what it's, than what, how it actually is, but you got to take Wiggins. 
Yeah, so, I don't think yo, but like no Wiggins, way you watch both of them and think it's close. I agree. No, that's what I'm saying. You with statistically it's close, but in real life it's not that it's it's Wiggins and it's pretty clean. So Wiggins is a top ten small <clears throat> forward, but like borderline. He's like just making the cut. He's like he's he's like that ten eight to ten area. Yep, hundred percent, hundred percent agree. So what did you think about the uh, All Star starters, JC? Did you agree with the list? Uh, so for the Eastern Conference, I mean, I pretty much agree with it, but, um, you know, I agree with Giannis, MVP, top three in the race. Joel Embiid has been going crazy this year. DeMar DeRozan has helped the Bulls reach a top two seed in the Eastern Conference. Trey Young is putting up video game S numbers. Uh, a lot of people question if the, the, the foul hunting and the foul baiting, which he was used to, would affect this game. has shown no effect. This is statistically his best season. And obviously, I, I don't know if I said him as far as Kevin Durant. I agree with Kevin Durant, but since Kevin Durant is not going to be out, I did like a, repla- I, I did a, a replacement player. So he was either Tatum or Jimmy Butler that'll take his spot. I'm fine with either <laughs> or taking his spot. Um, in the Western Conference, you know, LeBron James, we agree. We all agree on LeBron James. I agree on Jokic. Steph Curry, obviously, even though he's been on a slump, we know what he he's, he's a two-time MVP. We know the type of player he is, one of the best players in the world. John Morant's helping the Grizzlies in their resurgence. The, they're the third seed. I think he should be higher on the MVP race or the MVP ladder. So I'm all for it there. Uh, obviously, Andrew Wiggins, I kind of agree with Andrew. I kind of have a little bit of a problem with it. Um, if we were going to, like, in the East, if you're going to make an exception to put DeMar DeRozan at a guard because Giannis and KD are at his position, I think you can make an exception in putting Luka Doncic over him as a starter. I would personally, as a viewer, like to see Luka Doncic as a starter more than Andrew Wiggins or Devin Booker. I mean, Devin Booker's team's number one in the West. They're 39 and 19. He's playing some good basketball. Debate between who's the best player on the team between him and Chris, him and Chris Paul. But nonetheless, in my opinion, Luka and D-Book are both better basketball players than Andrew Wiggins. And just from a fan perspective, I would much rather see D-Book and Luka in the All-Star game over Andrew Wiggins. And I mean, I would ask you guys, would you guys agree with that statement that I just made and seeing D-Book and Luka as an all-star starter over Andrew Wiggins, just for viewership. I would, want, I would want Luca to start. Mm-hmm. Ray, what I about you? Stop. When are we going to stop disrespecting Rudy Gobert? Come no, no, on, no, no, bro. I, I, bro. Why, are we, why are we doing oh that? I'm not disrespecting Rudy. I would. I think Rudy deserves to start more than Andrew Wiggins as well. But if I'm just putting two people who play the similar position as as Andrew Wiggins around the same height size, I would take D Book or Luke over him. Riv. Riv, put Dub Nation aside, bro. Put it no, aside. No, listen, listen. Dub Nation is all right now. So since that's what gotta, I'm saying. I gotta that's defend why I gotta add. No, but wait. I think the see in the East, I get it. They messed up with the Demar Derozan thing. He's no, no, not, not a guard. Look, as, He's been a forward. Up, that's fine. But I'm just saying, if you can make an exception for Demar, I think you can but make an exception for Luca or D Book starting over Wiggins. That's I don't think they I made think. an exception. I just think they messed up. So in the West, because in, in the East, they just messed up. DeMar's not a guard. He hasn't been a guard all year. He's been yeah. a forward. But in mm-hmm. the West, y'all saying Devin Booker should make it. He's a guard. And I'm going to be honest, he doesn't deserve the spot over either of the two guys that got it. He don't even deserve it over Luka. So he wouldn't be the next guy up. So it's it's tough for me to you get over. You don't think the, he deserves it over Wiggins? Wiggins is a forward in the West. So I can't. No, but fully... I'm solely speaking on just the exception aspect. If, if anything, wanna... Luka gets that spot. Regardless. Okay, I said Luca was my first pick yeah, to get so, that spot, and then D Book was a follow-up. I, I kind of right now, I kind of have a problem with Drew continuing continuously <laughs> mentioning Gobert. Like we're forgetting Carl Anthony Towns. Like he's way better than Rudy. 
Like Carly Nate Towns that better, boy, bro. way Kat, better. Like listen, bro, Cat is averaging twenty four nine res- and four. I respect your Timberwolves love wholeheartedly. I I get it, and they're I in the playoffs right Towns now. Is a Hooper? Okay, nah, and, they're in the play. In. They're, they're in the play. They're, in. They're, they're, they're in the but play they in. have a playoff spot, bro. They're just they're we the don't know that. It's and, a play in spot. We don't know that. Utah's a lock for the playoffs. That's guaranteed. Yeah, they're slipping though. They're slipping bad, but it's they're guaranteed. listen, listen. They're slipping, and Donovan Mitchell hasn't been playing, and they're losing. I just want y'all it's to know. Been, it's yes, been bold. Yes. It's I was been just bold. about to say that right now. That. <laughs> yeah. A team doesn't have their leading scorer. It's a surprise that oh, no, they're just, losing. Just letting y'all know that. I'm just uh, this I'm, is the, I'm the, giving you an answer. The Andrew Wiggins thing is interesting because uh, 50% of the starter vote is like fan vote. And mm-hmm. a K-pop artist, a really famous one, his name is Bam Bam, he actually endorsed Andrew Wiggins January 7th. No, January 6th, I apologize, and was like, get this guy in the All-Star game as a starter. So a lot of people are speculating that he had, that K-pop artist, Bam Bam, had a lot to do with Wiggins starting in the All-Star game. That's I mean, good. that's but you could say the same thing with Trey Young. Trey Young won the fan votes. He didn't win the player votes. But I think Trey Young is more deserving of it, of that Oh, no, spot. yeah, of course, yeah. of course. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not, but I'm saying, like, the fan votes is what, Gets you in to be a starter. I ultimately. think the East was perfect. I, I outside of Trey Young, that's the only one that okay. Maybe I I put Zach when we did it when we originally did our uh, starters and reserves. I put uh, Zach over Trey, but it's not like Trey deserves it. I know he deserves it. Yeah. With the West, it's just hard for me to say Wiggins should be over a cat. Like it's front court players, so it's not it's not small forward by power forward by center. It's just front court. Cat is a front court player. The starters should have been Steph, Ja, Cat, LeBron, and Jokic. That's what I thought it should have been. I mean, Cat is Cat. Cat is such an underrated player because Minnesota is such a bad he's organization. Not, he's not underrated. He is not underrated. underrated. He's not. They're just not. Underrated. They're not good. I keep trying. To they are good. They are good now. They are good now. People understand how good Carl Anthony Towns is. It's just the Timberwolves are not good. I don't think Pat they is do. not underrated. You, you not, no way. They're not good because of the talent or because of the coaching. Consistency. I think they're just not consistent enough. I think in they, years we, past, in years past, it was the talent and coaching. This year, Chris Finch has done a really great job at putting together a defensive scheme. And D'Lo has taken that responsibility of really directing the defense. It really done a good si- job. Since D'Lo has been in Minnesota, the Wolves have been 500, but he's been hurt. This year, he's yeah. healthy. Now with Edwards taking that leap and Jared Vanderbilt being an exceptional role player, the Timberwolves are they are starting to take shape. Um, they, they've been they, – this the, like it's – I was watching Minnesota versus the Warriors, right? So I was watching mm-hmm. this game, and in the first half, you know, Cat was dominating the paint. You know, he's making dimes because they had the double team. And they, they uh, Reggie Miller said an interesting point, like, when you when you watch these young teams, Memphis, right? You know what you're gonna get when you play Memphis. Tough, gritty, grind out game. With Cleveland, you know you're gonna get the big men, Darius Garland, the Flash. You know young teams. With Minnesota, you don't know what you're gonna get on every given night. They're so inconsistent in a sense where one night you can get the best Minnesota, and then another night it can be like, oh, this is not like like it, even when against the Warriors, the first half you got. That was the best Minnesota I've ever I've seen all year. Like they looked incredible. And then in the second half, granted, D'Lo, he didn't come back in the second half, but in the second half, they started chucking shots. You know, Cat didn't really get the ball. So it's like Minnesota's so 
the talent is there. I never just like when people talk about talent, like they're not like the Kings. Like, I don't think the Kings talent is there, but Minnesota's talent is there. They have the pieces. It's just they haven't been they can't put it together consistently. I think like on a play style basis for them to really take themselves over the top. Someone uh, another name we didn't my, my bad, bro. Ooh, uh, another same. name we didn't list uh, for small forwards. Anthony Edwards. Are you even contemplating that over Wiggins? No. Negative. I love Edwards, but I'm not thinking about it right too, now. Too soon? Too soon? It's not too to soon. Above. It's just Wiggins has too much things over him right now. He has efficiency over him, and he has that he's playing on a, a better team by far over him. In Edwards, the long run, though, Ant-Man's going to be better. Yeah, yeah, though. for sure. Right I, I think Edwards Don't is going to be a superstar. Yeah, don't forget defense. You cannot forget that's the true. defense. Yeah, that's true. That's true, too. How long do you think it's going to take before Minnesota is actually going to make that leap? Because I heard before you were saying about them kind of still being young. But in my opinion, I don't really look at Minnesota as being young. I mean, D'Lo's been in the league for how many years now? Since 2000? Yeah, six or seven, you know, yeah. Cat, mm-hmm. Cat came out in what, 15? Yeah, 15. He, he came out the same draft with D'Lo. You know, like – you look yeah. at a lot of people on that roster. You like, you look at Malik Beasley. How long has he been in the league? Oh, he he needs. To He's go. just bad right now. He's shooting <laughs> terribly. Oh my god! Yeah, so, you know, say- and then they still add. They still got Patrick Beverly. You know, who's kind of you know on the bench and doing his thing. Vanderbilt is fairly new, I guess. Really, the what I'm getting at is really the only young guy on the team is Ant-Man. Edwards. And he's producing more than any of the other guys for the most part. So that's why I brought the question of, is it the talent or is it the coaching? Because at some point we have to get away from this thinking that it's just, you know, they're young and they got to get over the hump. Something's got to change. And another thing that I, uh, that uh, you had said was with Sacramento, actually, I think Sacramento has the talent. I just think they're a trash organization and trash coaching, but they have the talent, but for some reason they just decide to, send people to hell by just drafting certain players who don't ha- need to be there. Like you already had De'Aaron Fox. You went and got Tyrese Halliburton. Then you went and got Davion Mitchell. Why are you drafting three of the exact same players to your roster? <laughs> Do you not believe in De'Aaron Fox? You have Harrison Barnes, who's a good small forward, who has championship pedigree. You have Buddy Hill, who really, I know people don't want to hear it, but has a lot of Bradley Beal in his game if given the opportunity. You still you have good bigs, you have good centers. It just comes down to first and foremost, y'all should have fired Luke Walton five years ago, mm. and y'all just keep drafting this. And I'm saying y'all like it's you, but Sacramento keeps on drafting just people who do not fit. Y'all need to figure out who is your core and go forward. But they have the talent, they just don't have the coaching or the GM. So I think that's an interesting point you said because Minnesota and the Kings are kind of in a similar situation in terms of. People think they have a lot of talent, they have a lot of yep. youth, and they've been dealt with bad coaches or bad organization problems. I think the difference is with like Minnesota, you're, you're right. Cat is on a different spectrum than De'Aaron Fox in terms of talent. I think Cat is on a different level. Anthony Edwards, I think we can all agree, is probably going to be a superstar. We don't think Fox is going to be at that type. And I think with Minnesota is, they're waiting. I don't want to say they're waiting because D'Lo, I think we know what D'Lo is going to be. You know, he's going to be a all-star talent, but I don't think he's going to be that all-star caliber, consistent guy. Cat's going to be Cat. You know, Jared Valen, but he's going to be that type of player for them, that defender, that role player. Pat Bev, I hope they keep him. He's been great for them as a role player. But right. I think they're waiting for Edwards to make that next leap because I think that's the next. I think Malik Beasley, his time is out over there in Minnesota. I just think he doesn't fit their time. But I think 
Edwards was that third piece that they've been waiting for. And with Sacramento, like you said, they had Fox. They drafted the wrong guy in Halliburton. I'd say Halliburton is bad. He's a really good player, but he didn't fit the Fox timeline. And Bagley didn't fit the Fox timeline. Now Mitchell doesn't fit the Fox timeline. So now you're kind of stuck with these couple players and it kind of sucks. But with Minnesota, I think they're just an Edwards jump. And he he's made the jump from rookie to this year. So I think right. they're just another jump away from them really being a serious contender. When I look at the Kings, it, it's kind of weird because, you know, drafting Tyrese, it wasn't the best decision because they had Fox. But you look at that draft, it was like, okay, are you taking a Devin Vassell over Halliburton? Are you Fair. taking are you taking like one of these players like a Neesmith who went it, around that area? Are you taking him over Tyrese? Was De- best available. Desmond Bain had- was like the 29th pick, so he wasn't even like thought of there. And this past draft, I think they drafted Davion because Franz Wagner wasn't at their pick. I think if Franz Wagner was there, they would have drafted him. But he just wasn't there. So it, it feels like they've been drafting best available. Marvin Bagley was just a miss. I mean we we yeah, thought yeah, Bagley was great out of college, but I mean, you draft a Luca. I mean, it changes your franchise. And right. they drafted Bagley, and it's not even that. I mean, they drafted Bagley over Jaron Jackson, <laughs> over Luca, even Trey yeah, Young. Yeah. Like okay, Facts. like you know, like they drafted the wrong guy, and that that really set them back. The difference with the Kings and the Wolves is that I think, like you like you mentioned, Riv, the Wolves have superstar talent, and. To your question, Sig, I think that the Wolves are just waiting for Edwards to take to make that superstar leap. And I think he will eventually this year. He's up this game. I think next year he'll he'll take another step. But I think Edwards is really a star. I think he's a star in the making for sure. I think for sure that Anthony Edwards is a star. Nobody's arguing that. I think out of everybody we've talked about, Anthony right now has the highest ceiling out of everybody. I think we all agree on that. I think my question that I would then pose to you is if you're drafting for the best available, but it doesn't fit your system, then why aren't you drafting and trading? Mm. De'Aaron Fox, to me, De'Aaron Fox in the right situation is young John Wall with a better jump shot. So if I'm of the belief of that, I'm not saying that he could be the number one guy, but why not take Tyrese Halliburton, who is a good basketball player, and and trade him to try to fill up some holes? You know what? You need a better center or you need a better uh, shooting guard if you're not going to play um, Buddy Hill. What's if you're not going to play Buddy Hill, you know, with that whole cat and mouse game, you could have drafted and traded a lot of these people. But the problem is you're drafting them. They're playing good because Tyrese Halliburton had a great rookie year. You know, they're playing good. And then it's like, you're holding on to these guys while their clout is high. And it's like, what's going on here? Like, what are y'all doing? You know, so I I don't know. I, I just think that Sacramento could be so much better if they just had better GMs and just better coaching altogether. I think the talent is actually there to at least be a team that can get into the playoffs or fight for the playoffs. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I, I think you're right. Um, when we talked about the all-star starters – one of the guys that didn't make it that has consistently been a starter has been James Harden. And James Harden right now, there's a lot of drama around him with the Brooklyn Nets. There was rumors about James Harden wanting to go to Philly, Philly wanting Harden. But the Nets have came out and said, we're shunning. We're shunning trade deadline offers for James Harden. They're not trading him. 
What are your thoughts on that? Is this the correct move? I mean, to me, I think it's quite obviously the correct move because they have a ch- they can win a championship this year. With all the things that are going on, they can still win a championship. So, JC, I'm going to go to you because you're the Nets fan here. What are your thoughts on the James Harden stuff? The Nets basically reassuring fans that, nope, he's not going anywhere. He's sticking with you guys for the year. Well, <clears throat> as a Nets fan, uh, it's not, it's kind of relieving because, you know, obviously in the last, I think, two year and a half, two years with the big three has been together where they've all been under contract, I think it's a year. They've only played 20 games together. Um, so we haven't really consistently seen this team on court together. Um, the few times that we have, they've looked pretty dominant. Um, even just the one time this season against Chicago, against the number one East, uh, team in the East at the time. You know, we saw what happened when they were all three together on the court, or even the series in um in Boston last year. It took a Jason Tatum fifty ball, uh, master class performance for them to even get a win. But um, <clears throat> I think it's the I think it's the right move if James Harden's really bought in. And at the end of the day, none of us, including the Nets organization, will never know if James Harden is really bought in. This you could look at it from both sides of the spectrum. Let's say the Nets keep them. Let's say they win a championship. Oh, my God, it was the best move. You know, we we got the big three. We got our championship. James Harden wants to leave. That's fine. Doesn't matter. We we had our end goal. But if we go into the playoffs this season and, you know, we get hurt or, you know, we lose flat out, we just lose, and James Harden leaves, you're sitting there like, okay, so we just lost. We we, we traded James Harden for four first-round pick swaps and, and, and three trades. Uh for three pieces, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, those guys were, you were going to have to give that up. Um, So it it really just depends. James Harden has a lot of leverage in this situation. I mean, if James Harden ends up leaving, you could have, it's James Harden. At the end of the day, I'm pretty sure there's a a bunch of NBA teams that'll call and give you some hefty offers for James Harden, even though it's been statistically a down year for James Harden. I mean, this is a guy who's averaging 23 points, eight rebounds and second in the league in assists. So, um, for, for, in my, in my opinion, as a Nets fan, I think it is the right move just because we haven't seen all three of them on the court together consistently. I think had we saw that last year and we didn't win. Okay. You can pull the plug and be like, okay, this is probably not going to work, but I'm of the mindset that I'm not going to break something up if I haven't seen it to the full extent and the full extent for the Nets and their goal is to have the three of them healthy in the playoffs and just see what they can do and see if they can win a championship. So I'm, 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 I'm on the net side. I, I agree that, you know, they, they shouldn't really answer calls. I think they should go all in this season. And let's just see, you know, if this team, like how James Harden says, we're unbeatable we're, when we're all three together. So let's see James Harden, like, all three of them play, you prove it. So I'm, 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 I'm agreeing with the Nets on this, on this stand. I don't think you should trade them. I think you should let it just ride out. So Riv, I saw you laughing over there. What are you laughing about? Oh, because your boy didn't make the all-star starter. That's why it's funny. Oh. My boy did. So I was just laughing at you about that. <laughs> but um <laughs> that was funny. Um, no, no, no. The Nets made the right decision. You shun listen, I just want to give some insight here. This free agency, the teams that have cap are the Detroit Pistons, the Oklahoma City Thunder, like teams like that. In order for James Harden to go to a competitive team. It'll have to be a signing trade. So either mm-hmm. way, Brooklyn, you look good because you'll get something back. So shout out to you guys. You know, you'll get something back, maybe a Ben Simmons or something like that. Or if you want <laughs> to go to Miami, Tyler Hero again. We'll try that one more time. But, you know, you get something back. So that's that's good in a sense. But, yeah. Do the, do the Mavs have money? Nah. They mm. have to make some moves. Uh, okay. But, um, okay. yeah. I agree with I agree with both you guys, though. With Joel and J.C., 
if the Nets are healthy, if the big three are healthy, there's no team in the like right now, there's no team in the East that can really, you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's gonna be tough to beat those three guys, you know? Especially James the Harden. Bulls. Yeah, definitely the Knicks too. But I wasn't I shouldn't even <laughs> said that because they're not even in the playoffs <laughs> right now. But um <laughs> it's gonna be tough to beat those those three guys, you know. So I think like JC said, just getting these guys healthy is the first priority. And I know it sucks, you know, injuries damage a lot of teams. And if you look at the big threes in the past, you know, the Bulls, the Matt, the Magic Johnson and Kareem, you look at Tim Duncan, Tony Parker and them boys in Miami. This is like the first big three that's seen devastating injuries like this to their main guys. And they really haven't got the chance to play together. So it really like sucks for Brooklyn fans that they haven't got to see it. But at the same time, you know, you look at this team, Patty Mills, L.A., they've been solid for them. You know, Joe Harris, hopefully he comes back and he doesn't shoot bricks in the playoffs. You know, Kyrie Irving, hopefully. we've seen him on the road. Kyrie Irving still looks amazing. He still looks like Kyrie. Kevin Durant, when he's healthy, he looks like the best player in the NBA. Don't know why you said one of the best. He's the best. And I said top two. No, he's one. And then um, Harden, <laughs> you know, Harden, he's still on a on a bad year, 23 and 11. So he's just as good as DeRozan. Still, yeah. Whatever. He's still 23 and 11. So I think, you know, shutting everything because realistically right now you trade James Harden, you're not going to get nothing back, like nothing in value value. back for James Harden. Ben Simmons hasn't played. So even if you make that move and Tobias Harris is mid as hell. So even if you make that move, it's not going to be the same for Harden. So I, I think they did the right move. Ben and Tobias for Harden, I'm sure they would give a draft pick too. That doesn't sound horrible, especially of given course the you fact say that, that you're a Ben given the fact fan. The Nets need a big. Who's okay. the big there? <laughs> ben Simmons. Uh, you put him. You put him. What do you mean? Ah, uh, put him fact. at the five. What is Embiid going to do to him? Hey, that's probably true. That's probably <laughs> food. That's gonna food. kill him. That's food. That's food. All right. So in terms of the, the trade barbecue. situation uh, of James Harden, uh, the Nets deciding to shun it, it, it makes a lot of sense. You want to see this big three together. You want to see James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant in the playoffs, all three together. We saw it for one series, and it was essentially domination outside of one game where Jason Tatum had to drop 50 in order to pull out a W against them. This big three together is the best offensive firepower we've ever seen collaborated together. It's just a matter of if they can stay on the court. I understand not wanting to trade it because you want to see this through. You didn't trade for James Harden for you to give up a season and a half later and and basically say, all right, we're going to ride with someone who's basically a part-time player right now, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant, who, albeit is as great as he is, is a little injury prone. However. Last season, when you needed him most, he was your star player and he played like it, no doubt about it. However, you still have to have that in the back of your mind that he is, it's possible that he could go out at any second. God forbid you don't want that to happen. Even me, who does not like KD by any means, I never want to see a ball player go out to an injury. You want to see him, if they're going to go out, it's going to go out to a defeat to another team, like like against Milwaukee, unfortunately, where his foot was just a little bit too big. Sorry, JC. Uh, that being said, <laughs> you, you Ultimately, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, that that brings fear into other teams' hearts. When you have Kyrie Irving and James Harden on the same floor together, the two of them click a little bit different. You start to see Kyrie Irving's Kyrie Irving. And, and I, I, I hate that in terms of how great he is. His greatness kind of gets put to the side a little bit because we're so more focused on his off-the-court uh, 
issues or what's going on with him outside of basketball. When he's on the court, he is one of the most, if not the most gifted ball players we will ever see in our lifetime. And it's adamant that when he's on the court, the Nets are significantly better. And in terms of the who means more to the Nets, the more you see Kyrie Irving not on the court, the more you understand how valuable he is to this Nets team and how essential he is if they want to really uh, go for a championship run. I agree with the decision to keep it together. However, given the injury history, I am a little bit scared. James Harden has been as durable as it gets throughout his entire career. Unfortunate that the one time where injuries had really plagued him was last season when he needed the most in the playoffs. This season, he's been their most durable. He's been their most consistent, but his play has deteriorated a little bit. His EFG is a career low outside of his rookie season. His field goal and three-point percentage has been just nowhere near the James Harden that we're used to, but that probably has to do with volume. He's not seen the amount of volume that he was accustomed to in Houston. I think you need James Harden to be at the James Harden level that we saw in Houston if the Nets ultimately want to compete for a championship. So was this a good idea by the Nets organization? Yes. Is it possible that they don't get the end result that they're looking for? I think so. Oh, you can go. HP. Yeah, yeah, you, HP. Oh, oh I, I was like, I ain't know, but honestly, I – I agree. I think that I think that it's best that they probably didn't make the trade or try to trade James Harden, because as you all said, it's it's hard to get rid of the talent that they got rid of just to see them pass it up in a year or two. Like you said before, this is probably the most scoring that we have ever seen on one team. I think that when they are fully healthy at the very minimum, they should be in an NBA finals Um, And I think that no matter who wins, you know, it's going to go down to a game six or seven. Um, It is sad to see James Harden kind of get injured like he has been in the past uh, because he always has been really durable. Um, But I I would probably go ahead and stick it out because at the end of the day, as you all said, if they win a championship, cool. If not, you can always do a sign and trade and, you know, get something better uh, down the line. I pose a question that I wanted to ask you all, though. With all that being said concerning Brooklyn, do you think it was worth it to get rid of Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Jared Allen or James Harden? And yep. the reason I ask this is because, yes, we understand that James Harden is a way better basketball player than all those people. Put but together. Once again, yeah, yeah, probably. But if we look at kind of like that Sacramento conversation we were talking about, the fit sometimes is more important than the talent on paper, Kyrie, James Harden, KD. It looks like something you would build on NBA live 2007, you know, mm-hmm. but you look at rim protection with Jaron Allen, you look at a six, 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 seven point guard and Spencer Dinwiddie, who was getting everybody involved just as James Harden does now, not the same type of offensive firepower, but then you still have Karis LeVert on that team. Who's a six, seven, six, eight wing who can score the ball. I know he's not looking great in Indiana. I just think that that's a bad situation for him. If you have Kyrie fully healthy, you have KD with those guys there and the bench and the future draft picks. Do you think it was actually worth it to make this trade for James Harden? I think it was still worth it. Like you mentioned, Lavert hasn't been that good in Indiana. He he's yeah. much better in Brooklyn. He would have been a sixth man. That's much more suited for what he can do. 
he would have been like a Jamal Crawford, Lou Will off the bench, just be an instant spark plug guy. Spencer Dinwiddie is sorry. Oh my gosh! It, for one, yeah, he missed an entire he missed an entire year in Brooklyn. And yeah. Spencer Dinwiddie's always rubbed me the wrong way in how overconfident he is. I understand you gotta have confidence in yourself, but he he's always rubbed me the wrong way in that in that sense. And then he goes to Washington, he gets paid, he's finally a feature guy, and Bradley Beal's basically calling everybody out like they're all trying to fight for a spot in the league. And Dinwiddie <laughs> is a jock. He's inefficient. Jared Allen is the only one that hurts. Because you look at Hurt. Cleveland right now and, and Allen is their second best player. I would put him above Mobley right now, even though that is still that is really close because Mobley is he's going to be such a great player. Jared Allen is is basically a younger Rudy Gobert. And if the Nets had that right now with KD and Kyrie, Ooh. that would have been a, a great fit. Drew is tight. But no, with all I'm that, tight. I'm not uh, tight. It's just it's a little bold. It's not you said Rashawn <laughs> Holmes is better. I, I, I was wrong. I know. Listen, I, I took my cap to you and told you I was wrong there. I nah, said nah, I know, but Sean Holmes had been it's playing. not. It's not both. He's been a- playing well. A- Allen is putting up. Allen is putting up similar numbers to Gobert. Listen, it's, it's tough. Uh, defense. It's, 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 the defense is just like Rudy's here, and as good as Allen is, he's no. just not. Hey, on hey, hey listen, level. listen. For one. I'm not just saying that out of the blue. Joe Ingles, who plays with Rudy, was on the J.J. Redick podcast and was like, Jared Allen is essentially a younger Gobert. You know, how can your own teammates say that? That's crazy to me. Allen is great. That's, you know, he's good. He, he is. He Allen's knows, really good, bro. No, Allen is tough, but I think, uh, you know, it's it it's tough to say because Karis LeVert, like, if we go back in time and if we look at it, COVID is going to happen regardless. Kyrie's going to be a part-time. Like, that's still going to happen. So do you trust Kevin Durant, Karis LeVert, who's he's, he's, it's looking like he's forever going to have injury concerns throughout his career. You have Kevin Durant, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen. Not Jared Allen in Cleveland. I feel like Jared Allen in Cleveland is a different Jared Allen in Brooklyn. Offensively, not defensively. I feel like he's the same guy defensively. But offensively, he just looks a little better in Cleveland. I, I feel like Darius Garland. To Darius Garland, I don't think in Brooklyn he would have been that offensively. So you get a slightly less offensively, but still the same defensive guy, Jared Allen. And then Spencer Diddy, who was coming off an ACL injury, so he would be back. I think, like Joel said, you have to make that a hard deal because, like I said, Spencer Diddy, Diddy was coming off an injury. Karis LeVert is always hurt. Jared Allen, as great as Jared Allen is, he's not going to give you that offensive output to help Kevin Durant. And then Kyrie's going to end up being a part-time player anyways. I think getting James Harden, essentially a guy who we've known for all his career, plays every game, plays every playoff game. He's an Iron Man. He's going to play. You need a guy like that in a regular season to mm-hmm. carry you when you're, the injury guys get hurt because he's the guy who helps you get to the playoffs. And then you figure it out from there. I respect it. You know, I feel very bad for what James Harden has had to go through in Brooklyn. Nets fans not appreciating him enough. And also just the lack of talent that the Nets have assembled around him. When Katie and Kyrie are out, it is evident that the team stinks. It's James Harden, DeAndre Bembry, James Johnson, Patty Patty Mills, Mills, and Dayron Sharp starting sometimes. Cry me a river. Cry me a river. Literally, cry me and me. Hold on, hold on. You don't care, bro. The, James <laughs> Harden. I mean, James. I mean, look, you're forgetting Kyrie, Joe Harris, 
Those guys are out. I'm not forgetting anything. What I'm too. saying is, JC, we had a segment. We literally had a segment mm-hmm. before the, the season started injuries, on bro. the it's Brooklyn just... Nets having the deep, like having one of the deepest teams in the league. We didn't know Paul Millsap was that wash, bro. Bro, Joel, I told you. I told you. I let you know. Yeah, Paul Millsap's watched. Paul Millsap is really watched. Who's fault is that? Yeah, to the point Brooklyn, where I was just like, I do just we even need to have a Paul Millsap conversation? Why? Paul Millsap's <laughs> not that dude. But listen, that, that you be- comp- this is what I'm about to say. James Harden's worst team in Houston was when he was with them in his first season. The Omar Ashik and Chandler Parsons and Jeremy Lin and yeah, that team. That team. That roster is better than this Brooklyn roster when you take away like Katie and Kyrie and stuff. Like the the supporting cast is god awful. Like they don't have great role players. Am I supposed to feel bad? Most of your impact yes. players are hurt, bro. But can I say Joe something? Can I, can out, I, Kyrie's part time. Kevin Durant's out. Like James Harden is like is the second most doubled player in the NBA. Can I say something real quick? Just I just want to you know chime in on this little bro. It's injuries. No, no, no. It's, it's like this this whole Crimea Rivers segment is funny. Um, that's you what you were doing with Steph crazy. last year. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. Steph was actually, it was actually literally, he was actually literally alone on offense. Like, that was actually a fact. Wait, so Harden Harden is not alone on offense? Huh? He has Kevin Durant and Kyrie. Katie is out. Katie is out. Katie is out. Wait, but wait, wait, wait. I don't feel bad. Hold on, Drew, Drew, wait. The Nets are a top four seed in the East. Because of Harden. What are you complaining about? Because of Harden. What are you complaining about? Because of Harden. Because of Kevin Durant. So this is the difference. This is the difference, Riv. James Harden can be around bums. He's going to get you a top four seed in the, in the East. Kevin Steph, Durant was playing. Steph Curry can be around. You you talk about this. No offense. Okay. He, he had Wiggins last year. He had Draymond last year. Y'all ain't make the playoffs. Harden's going to get Draymond you there. Wait, wait. Drew, Drew, Drew. That's the West. 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 That's the difference. Though. Not even that, SJ. When Steph got off the court, they were statistically the worst offense in life. Like, ever. Bro, like, in sick. NBA history. Like, they were the worst <laughs> offense ever. Life. Like, ever. So, like, what are you saying, bro? Like, Kevin Durant was carrying. He was backpacking the Nets. I he was the number one MVP before he went down. We as a saying? whole, we as a whole need to feel sympathy for James Harden. And I'm, Why? And I'm, I'm glad that he's going to, he might, I'm glad that he's going to ring chase after this offseason. He's doing it already, but. He's going to have to. I'm, I hope ring that chase. he he's gets a championship. He's going to start after he leaves the Nets with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. He That's can, he can go wherever chase. he wants. And if he goes Come to the Lakers, on. you'd love it. Don't bring him here. We don't Ooh, want him. Wherever he wants. Don't bring, don't bring him here, man. Yo, he, he comes to L.A. Shoot, man, I'm be I'm be wearing that beer with you, Joel. It's, you know, it's crazy because when you, when you assemble legendary teams like this, like the Warriors, like the big three in Miami, you have to find those veterans that kind of fit the Mike Millers, the Shane Battiers, the Sean Livingston, you know, those type of guys. I think the problem with Brooklyn is they're playing a lot of young guys, you know, Kessler Edwards, Cam Thomas, uh, what's his name? Aaron Sharp. Sharp. Like they're, they're playing a lot of those. David Duke was playing for a little bit. They're playing a lot of young, they don't have like their, their old guys are not like, like they don't, it's it's just it's just different with them, and of course it's because Blake and, and and Millsap they've been really bad this year too. Nobody but, was but you guys that. are saying Millsap has been bad, but like I and I, I understand it, but I remember in Golden State when David West was just as old as Paul Millsap and he was contributing. Like it's is it is it like system is, it is different just bad or because I, I feel like if Paul Millsap was in Miami, don't think as, if as, Paul as Millsap was in Miami, that, I feel like he'll be doing fine. As a, like, I feel as like as a person that watches the games, I, I personally don't think Steve Nash for the most part. Has given him a fair chance. Um, 
he's been dealing with personal issues throughout the whole season. So that's why he's really been out. But even when he's even when he's present and available on the roster, Steve Nash just never finds time to put him in the ro- rotations. He'd go with the Dayron Sharp right now or Kessler Edwards or a Blake Griffin, who's been horrible this year as well. He would go with those guys over Paul Millsap. So I mean, that's I another think, thing. You guys yeah. don't have a like a coach that's like, you know what I'm saying? Like you kind of have a rookie coach, essentially. So it's like, oh, yeah, coaches, hey, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll I feel like last year, last year he was a red shirt you, rookie to be a uh, hey, coach, to be honest. Don't Coaching even, is the most underrated part of the Y'all game. don't have a coach that can coach. I'll say it for you. Y'all don't have a coach that can coach. I'll, I'll just I agree. Steve Nash can't coach, and they don't have an offense. And so that's why basketball players on that team look a whole lot worse than they really are because in order to thrive in Brooklyn's offense, you have to be a one-on-one scorer who can just go get you a bucket. That's why Kyrie looks great. That's why James Harden can stay afloat. That's why KD looks like the second coming of Jesus. The reason why (laughs) – the reason why – uh, West went over to Golden State and Sean Lemons and all those guys went over there. They were able to play a whole lot better even in their old ages because one, high basketball IQ, and two, because they were in a role and in a system where they were allowed to just be basketball players and not be too limited, but also not have too much freedom. And so you have to be very aware of what kind of basketball players you're picking for your systems and roles. Blake Griffin is going from being a superstar guy when he was with the Clippers to being a solid basketball player with the Detroit Pistons to now trying to figure out how can I fit in this role where I'm probably a fourth or fifth option, but still be the Blake Griffin of old. You can't do it in that offense. And Steve Nash does not make any adjustments since he's been in Brooklyn in order to try to fit any of the players around them uh, to, to make them more comfortable in their strengths. So that's the reason why, like truth be told, if we replace Steve Nash with Mark Jackson, Ooh. even if Kyrie Irving played part-time or James Harden, um, you know, was on and off injured, they would have at the very least still been in the Eastern Conference Finals last year or the championship. It's crazy because, Joel, you watched the Draymond interview, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. You said they run a lot of ISO. Mark Jackson, Draymond was talking about it. Mark Jackson runs that type of system where it's like ISO one on one. Give your players a lot of uh, confidence. Run a couple pin downs. But yeah, you you hit it. You hit it. About uh, are we? Do we? Should we blame Steve Nash for the situation the Nets put him in? A rookie head, rookie head coach putting him in. I mean, he's built a solid team behind him. So it's like you shot Mark. Can we put that all? Hold on, say, Steve you Nash. Can't blame, you can't blame Steve Nash. Blame the organization. There you go. No, I, I'm you know, blaming Nash. He he's not a good coach, bro. Steve he's Nash not, yeah, he's not a good coach. He's a rookie Steve coach. Is, it don't yeah, matter. But, but, Steve yeah, Kerr was a rookie coach with the Warriors. Kerr, well, wait, 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 wait. Waiting on what? How is that different? That's, di- that's different. How? That's completely different. How? Yo, boy. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond don't have egos. Kevin Durant didn't have an ego. He brought in a new system, which he, he had to really break it in. It's the difference. Steve Nash, and first, first of all, Steve Kerr was on championship-winning teams. He's watched Phil Jackson. He's watched Greg Popovich. Those are two completely different Steve models. Nash was Steve, with Golden State when yeah, they won a championship. No, State. I understand that part, but I'm saying Steve Kerr was learning under Phil. He was watching Phil Jackson work every day while playing for the Bulls. He watched Popovich work every day, and then, like he has like his basketball mind is a lot different than Steve Nash in terms of that coaching. So it's it's different, you know. Like oh, it's so really different. So Riz, So if I if I if I ask you this question, so you have like let's say a Mark Jackson or a Tyrone Lue for a team that's constructed to win a championship. Now you're gonna really choose a a rookie, inexperienced head coach over no, those qualified candidates. I would have chose Lou. 
That's what I'm saying. And yeah, I, I, would, think, that's, yeah, I think I that's where the, I think that's where the you just said head coaching is is one of the most underrated aspects of basketball. I mean, I've been watching. There was a time where Steve Nash actually tricked me into thinking that he was a good coach because he was <laughs> keeping the Nets afloat with all these injuries and all these things going on. But even then, he just has the same issues as last year. Rotations are horrible. I'm not going to blame everything on him because <clears throat> Blake Griffin regressed from last year. Bruce Brown, albeit he was our small ball five at the time, he had a perfect role. He regressed from last year. Paul Millsap, the Nets didn't expect him to regress and look this old. So Steve Nash has had his barriers to overcome, but good coaches overcome those circumstances. And Steve Nash this season and even last year, he had issues coaching with his rotations and the lineups that he put on yeah. the court. Like and and just rookie mistakes as coaches. Like Patty Mills the other it's night not, was like it's not rookie like mistakes. Four for four from the three. He was our only source of offense. And in the last four four minutes of the game, he's going to sit him out until the one minute mark. Why don't you just ride the hot hand? He makes too many critical errors in those type the of The rotational part isn't rookie mistakes. That's a, that's a Kurt. Kurt struggles with that <clears throat> till his day. Like he still yeah. struggles with rotation. So I think that's just him being under Kerr. Steve Kerr still struggles till his day with rotation, especially the year when his players was injured. He struggles a lot with that too. So I can see a lot of that from Kerr because Nash was under him too. So I, I feel you on that. Let, let, let me ask this. This might be a hot take. Do y'all actually think Steve Kerr can coach? on the level that people hype him up to be. I wouldn't call him an elite coach, but I think he's a really, really good coach. And the reason I ask that is because, in my opinion, it's hard for me to say that Steve Kerr is as great of a coach as we've made him out to be because he walked into a finished meal with Mark Jackson already. And then we have watched where, truth be told, if step, truth be told, the Golden State Warriors should have been in the playoffs last year, but it came down to Steph was hot. Why is it that going into that fourth quarter with the Lakers, you waited and you did your normal rotation. You always do. Fourth quarter came around the first four or five minutes. Um, you let them sit. Bron and them guys. Talk hot. about it. They ended up uh, tying the game up. They took the lead. And then you're bringing Steph back in. The thing that I have an issue with Steve Kerr, as well as Steve Nash, is nobody knows how to just make adjustments. You have to watch the actual game and say, look, this guy's hot right now. You know, this guy sucks right now, whatever it is. Let us ride this until we get to where we need to get at. But you just can't keep saying, listen, start of the third quarter, Steph doesn't play. That, you know, so so Steve Kerr has shot himself in the foot plenty of times with championships. I even think that they could have won against the Toronto Raptors if he stopped having Steph play off of the ball when they kept doing the boxing one and diamond two. Let him get the ball from the jump and let him bring it up as the point guard. Like, do y'all actually think that Steve Kerr is like top tier? Do you think he's B list? Do you think he's B minus? Because it's hard for me to really say, because even Luke Walton tricked people in thinking that he could coach. And that's how he <laughs> got the Sacramento Kings because he was. With Golden <laughs> that's an interesting question. And it comes that's down to two things for me. Steve Kerr has been on the record and he, he said, you're only as good as your talent, which yes, for the most exactly. part is correct. That's why he didn't take the job in New York, and that's why he took the job in Golden State. Second of all, uh, second, I was watching Draymond's interview on J.J. Reddick's podcast, and he was talking about exactly what you mentioned, Riv. Mark Jackson was a lot of pick-and-roll, pin-down, iso ball, where when Steve Kerr got to Golden State, it was a system. It was ball movement. And at first, it was very hard for them to adjust to that, but Steve Kerr said, the ball will find the right guy if you swing it. And, and Draymond, his growth as a player is a, has a lot to do with that system that he's in and along with Steph and Clay. So, so it's hard for me to say he's not a great coach because I think he's implemented a, a great system 
in Golden State, but with things that you talk about, like rotations, he definitely still struggles with that. I think for me, like, I agree with a little bit with Joel, but uh, I think a lot of it is the elites of the elites don't struggle with stuff like that. You know, Popovich in his prime, Phil Jackson, you know, I, I think the elites of the elites, they tend to know rotation. They they tend to understand adjustments. Tyron Lue, I believe, right now is entering that elite elites because his adjustment skills is just on another level than everybody else's. But it's I think for Steve, two. Yeah, yeah. I think for Steve Kerr, like you have to give him credit because yes, you're a product of your players, but I think Steph Curry, for him, the reason why he's considered what he is because he is one of the players that uh, coaches that unlocked Steph Curry into what he, he kind of helped transcend Curry into one of the greatest shooters ever. And one of the greatest point guards in NBA history. And then he pushed Draymond green into being one of the best defenders of all time. So it's like he gets, he, for him getting, doing that, like he branded the most beautiful basketball in the NBA at that time. You know, it was one of the best, like it was the most exciting basketball to watch. So for nice. that, you have to put Kerr in, I wouldn't say elite, but in that great, like he's one of the great coaches in the NBA because of the fact that he's done that. Plus on top of that, he has the championships. So you have to give him that type of respect. Thanks. I agree with a lot of what you say, HP, though, that he came in to basically, here's the meal, all you have to do is eat it. Where Mark Jackson took the time, he prepared all the meats, he actually cooked it on the stove. That's a fact. That's what Mark Jackson did, where that, that series against <laughs> San Antonio. Oh, yeah, Mark was great. Where I've never, I've never seen a coach overachieve, get to that, that series against San Antonio, lose the series with San Antonio, and then lose your job. You saw with Mark Jackson instill the confidence into these boys of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Tell early on before anyone knew that it wasn't San Antonio. Clippers. 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 Okay, I apologize. Apologize. So they overachieved, and then the next year they lost to the Clippers. It was a good series. Okay, so regardless of that, they were still a young, up and coming team where I understand that if I'm head office, I understand that this team could go to where it ultimately did end up becoming. But I don't think that removing Mark Jackson ultimately is the main reason why Golden State ended up the way that they were. These boys, as in Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, became who they were because you give some credit to Kerr without a doubt because he was with them during their peak years, their championship years. But Mark Jackson's actually the guy that during their younger years really developed them to what they could be and what they eventually ended up being. I think Mark, Mark Jackson would have stuck with David Lee, though. If Mark Jackson stays, do they win a championship in 2015 or get there I, in 2016? 20, 2015, I tell you, they might win the championship. Pandora's box. You have Kyrie Irving. You have Kevin Love not in that series. I think that it's possible that Mark Jackson could win that. 2016, no. I don't think 20, anyone I don't think be, 2015, I, I don't think that that's – first of all, I don't think – like 2015, I feel like when Kerr got there – it really turned Draymond into Draymond. And I think with, once Draymond turned into Draymond, that's what took the Warriors into contenders. I feel like Steph and Clay, as great as they was, made them, you know, solid contenders. But when Draymond stepped up, that turned them into championship contenders. And I really, I, I think, in my belief, Mark Jackson would have stuck with David Lee once he got back from injuries. I, that's, that's just my, like, in my opinion. I think he would have stuck with that because David Lee was better offensively. He wouldn't have initiated that ball movement offense, which makes Draymond go because he's a great playmaker. So I don't think 2015, you know, they would have been as great as they was. I don't, it's really, in 2016, they definitely wouldn't have won, wouldn't have won 73, went 73 and nine. Steph Curry wouldn't have averaged 30 and nothing like that. So I think like, but they, how many they games made the right Luke? move. 
How many games was Luke Walton the head coach of that, that, was with that KD. 73 win season? That was with KD. That was with Kevin Durant in 2017. Yeah. Luke Walton? He didn't do yeah. anything but sit no. there and watch KD and Curry work. That's all he did. Yeah. Are you guys sure? Maybe I'm because Luke, Luke Walton didn't doing, take over as coach in that 73 win season. No, he yeah. was the next year with KD. Though. Luke yeah, he Walton was. took they over were... when, when Kevin Durant sprained his MCL in 2017. That's when he took over. And KD missed right, like a month. All right. L- let's see. You guys might be right, but I'm <laughs> don't believe positive. Hey, no. hey, During that win streak where they didn't lose, I could have swore Luke Wallen was the that was the KD year. Games. That was, hey, well, yeah, this, is why, this is why I'll say Luke Wallen was doing exactly what we were doing, watching the game. That's, what, <laughs> that's, facts. that's facts. You know what I'm saying? He was sitting next to people like, damn, that boy good. Like, he was doing the same thing he was all doing. <laughs> Drew, you gotta, you gotta, Drew, you gotta understand too. Kevin Durant went to Golden State because of Steve Kerr's system. Steve Kerr's system. Yeah, so it's like wanted to you like give the ball credit, movement bro. system. Yeah. That was like, that's over Steve Kerr's there. system. We, we talked about yeah. how situation is everything, and last year it looked like Julius Randle was in this perfect situation with the Knicks. He averaged 24, 10, and six, and, and now this year everything's been going bad. Uh, right now he's averaging close to nineteen. He's shooting his worst field goal percentage of his career, averaging his lowest points per game since 2017. Tom Thibodeau has been heavily criticized for his lackluster rotations. And since I'm a Knicks fan, I'll just go first. The question is, who's more to blame, Julius Randle or Tom Thibodeau? I think taking the easy way out, I would say Randle because he's regressed so much. But Tom Thibodeau, it's just... From the beginning of the season, right up, to, right, up to, right up until he benched Kemba, we knew the starters were one of the worst starting fives in the NBA. And we're 40-plus games into the season, and Thibodeau was running out the same starting lineup versus the Heat the other night. Our starters are flat. We bring in our bench with Grimes, Obi, and IQ. We cut down the lead, and Thibodeau doesn't hold the starters accountable, rolls them out again, and then we get smoked. From the start of the season, our bench has been one of the best best bench units, plus minus wise, and our starters have been horrifically bad. I feel like Thibodeau deserves more blame than Randall for his lackluster rotations for, for not holding players accountable. Randall's playing like garbage. Sit him. Give Obi those minutes. He's stop, playing better. Stop, stop. What do you mean, stop? <laughs> you can't. You, you're gonna sit the guy who you just gave 140. He's talking million, about so. What do you mean? I don't. To? I don't care if he if Randall was two for 14 from the field. Yeah, you're sitting, bro. Ob sitting. right now Tip, is playing Tip, better Tip, than you. Tip, if that happens, Thibodeau's fired immediately. Why? Because the head office is the one that gave him that money. Drew, you're who else is there to sign right now? I'm not saying you're wrong, but last season, listen. Did you have a choice to sign him? No. Ultimately, you're saying that you want to sit this guy who, one, was the primary reason y'all had the success that you did last and year. And he's the primary and reason we suck right now. I wholeheartedly agree. But how can you sit <laughs> him when he's getting that type of money? It's it, impossible. It doesn't. I'm not, I'm not saying bench him. I'm saying huh? if we're in the game, he's one for he's one for 14. He's played 16 minutes. OB right here is only logged in forward. And, and it's four. He looks way better. OB, you're finishing out this game. Randall, you're Different not situation. Okay, okay. I got to take There's only a couple coaches who can get away with that. You see what? All right, HP. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's, I, I get it. I get it because that's. I'm trying to think of like what's something the equivalent of like that. That's like that. That's like 
people saying we need to sit Russell Westbrook and bring him off the bench. You've paid him too much money to where somebody's getting fired if he comes off the bench. Unless he comes out and says, I'm agreeing to it, then you're getting fired. Do I think Julius Randle has been playing trash? For sure he's been playing trash. But I think a lot of times coaches like have their hands tied behind their back because y'all made the mistake of believing that he is the guy. I, I didn't. I never thought Julius was the guy. Pull out your Julius Randle jersey right now. I bought liar. it because it was a special season. Oh. You got a Julius Randle jersey? It was a special season last year, absolutely. Hey, yo, hey, yo you deserve a nasty award. You deserve <laughs> a nasty award, bro. You really, you really got a Julius Randle jersey? The reason I justified I, I justified my purchase because of this. I bought it last year. He was averaging 24, 11, and 6. He was an all-NBA player. I said, you know what? Even if this year is a fluke year, it's justified because – He's the reason why the Knicks made the playoffs for the first time in eight seasons. So, you know, am I sure that RJ is going to be on the team long term? I don't know. You know, we're always having him in these trade rumors. Right now, the next name up is Donovan Mitchell. If we trade for Donovan, RJ's gone. That's a fact. So <laughs> I, I don't want to buy a player on the Knicks jersey that I feel like is not going to be there long term. And between RJ and Julius last year, who meant more to the team. Who was the reason why we Randall, made the playoffs? Easily. It was Randall. Randall. So I, and it was also a great jersey. It was it was a statement edition. It's very fly. So I bought it. You know, but oh, I don't tough, regret I don't tough. regret my you purchase. I don't this. No. You should have bought this. No. That's who man. You deserve a nasty award. <laughs> this season, this <laughs> season, this is from Ariel Poncheco on, on, on Twitter. He does a lot of Nick stuff. Evan Fournier has played 1346 minutes this year. 1,243 of those have come with Julius on the court. Kemba has played 744 minutes this year. 701 of those has been with Julius. Kemba only had Kemba and Evan together only have 14 minutes together on the court without Julius, and they have a net rating of like 38.6. All right. Listen. I get it. It's easy to blame Thibodeau. Listen, we had Thibodeau. He's great for Chicago. Great, great. Incredible. So we had Thibodeau, right? Thibodeau is probably one of, and he, listen, he, he, he's under the Doc Rivers tree. He's one of the most stubborn coaches in the NBA. He sticks to what he knows. He feels like it's his plan or we die. You guys are dying like bad right now. You are <laughs> dying. Like you guys aren't good. Now, has his rotations been bad? Yeah. Has he given too much minutes to certain guys? Of course. But SJ, you played college ball. Let me throw you a scenario. Let me just quickly throw you a little scenario. Later You're a head coach, right? Right. I got a big you, head. You, you, you've given a player, <laughs> you know, of opportunity to come in here and be your star. This star's name is Andrew, right? He comes in first year. He plays bad. The next year, he has an all-NBA year. He propels you to the playoffs. And then the next year he comes back and he stinks. The energy is gone. The offensive output isn't there. Is that your fault or is that the lack of work he put in to get better? In fact, I agree. I'll say I'll say two things, which kind of goes right back into your point. The first thing I'll say is this. Is it my fault that he's playing bad? No, it's not. That's on him. But what I'll also say is this, which comes back to the difference between coaching levels. At some point, I'm going to try to find a way to put Julius in a better situation to get yep. the job done. I'm going to try to make adjustments at some point in the season and say, you know what? 
He's not shooting the ball, you know, well from the three-point line. Yo, let me try to get some action and get him going to the rim, get him going downhill. Let me try to find a way to clear out one side and let him post up. Let me find a way to get my star into the game because I know that if he's my star, we can only go as far as he takes us. So he is top priority to make sure he's going at all times and try to get everybody on board with that. So it still comes back to, which, yeah, which goes back to my point, like both of these guys and I'm not the, the front office doesn't deserve any blame. I, I I feel like they did what they needed to do to feel like to, to put the proper pieces on the court for this team to succeed. I felt like at first Fournier was a good signing. He's a three point shooter that offers some spacing. Kemba Walker, they tried, you know, they gambled on him. The contract isn't bad. So that's fine. I feel like they they did what they needed to do. So the front office to me doesn't they maybe get 10% of the blame just because they're the front office but Thibodeau and Randall seem like they're not on the same page and they seem like they've lost that confidence from last season and I feel like those two definitely get the blame but it starts with your, your free agents get the blame too Kemba has sucked for the majority of the year he gets blamed too Fournier only plays good against Boston he gets blamed too RJ Barrett he gets blamed for the first part of the season because he wasn't playing good he's starting to play good now so that's a good sign but for the most part, this like it's it's not just like I know people are gonna limit it to the star and the coach because that's how it goes, but it really is just goes down from the coach to the star to the role players. Like the Knicks as a whole just haven't played good. Why? But why? Why sign Kimball Walker in the first place when you already had Derrick Rose playing well, and then you also had Emmanuel quickly doing well off the bench? That's a why good question, and why? I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna lean that to Joel. Joel, answer that. I mean, I don't think we should have. I thought IQ should have been starting and you bring Derrick Rose off the bench. That's what I would have done. The Knicks needed a facilitator. So I understand that. But Kemba's not a facilitator. He's a scorer. But he's at least a point guard. And at the same time, he was he was cheap. But he (laughs) is old at this point in his career. I mean, I mean, Kemba Walker is not playing as well as D Rose. So I understand that. But at least Kemba Walker could facilitate a game a little bit more at that point. And and. You, when you take Derrick Rose out, it wasn't supposed to be this huge of a drop-off that it inevitably ended up being, which I, in hindsight, 100% understand. Why would you bring in Kemba? But that was that's the reason, at least I think. You got him for, for a good price. You didn't have to pay top dollar for him. You got him on a basically a vet million, a vet, excuse me, a vet minimum, and you needed a point guard. But, but I mean, Kemba, another one on top of Derrick Rose. Kemba is a scoring guard. And, yeah, and what I'm just going first guard quickly. Emmanuel quickly had a good season last year. I think. I mean, he had some some pretty good games. I think why not double down and say, you know what? We think this guy could be a good point guard. He showed us a lot, you know, last year. Why not make him the starter and let Derrick Rose come off the bench? Because to your point, Derrick Rose may not be as much of a facilitator. He might be more of a scorer. Cool. Let him be your bucket off the bench. We're not banking on Emmanuel quickly to come out here and get us 20 on any given night. Let him throw up his five or six floaters and let him try to facilitate and get other people involved. And also, I just want to make sure I throw this out there. I blame RJ Barrett for being left of Dextries. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're not I, high on RJ Barrett. I he can't go right. He's a grown man. RJ Barrett is RJ <laughs> <laughs> Barrett like like you know have y'all you, you know when you lift weights 
And then like right when you get done working out, you look at yourself in the mirror and you feel more confident about yourself. Wow. <laughs> That's basically what RJ Barrett, in my opinion, has done. He's like just super confident. He works on his body. He thinks that he can just get to like he can just be a superstar putting his head down, going to the uh, going to the rim every night. Like he's left dexterous. He does not own a right hand. Mm. And he's got more than enough money to pay for one. I've been telling his you that right hand years, has bro. gotten better, though. But oh, the fact God. is, why are you a top three pick in the NBA draft without a right hand? Mm. He, he had a great <laughs> season at Duke. He was out, he, he had a historic freshman season. You yeah, try to ignore the right question. Hand. Without Answer the right question. Hand. He has without no right hand. hand. Listen, I look, I'm not the biggest RJ guy. You um, shouldn't be. Well, what are you what are you about to say, huh? You should liar. Oh, okay, okay, okay. No, I thought Drew I said something. Said, I thought Drew. I, 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 hey, okay, my bad, hey, my bad, hey, my bad. Okay. Oh. So on Twitter, because I, I had this, I had this take. I had this take the other day, not the other day. It was a, it was a month ago. It was a month ago, right? I used to be an RJ believer, and I was like, Man. you know what? I'm not anymore because in year three, I haven't seen enough consistent improvement. He's an inconsistent player. And I got killed on Nick's Twitter for this. I was like, I think his ceiling is like a Harrison Barnes type of player. I don't know if he could be as good as Harrison Barnes. Oh, my God. Wow. You serious? I almost just, you know I almost so? just spit up my water. I almost. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. People, people disrespect how good Harrison Barnes actually was. Oh. I mean, are, are, are you saying that R.J. Barrett? Well, let me ask you this. Is R.J. Barrett a second option, third option? Where, where, where are you putting him at? At this point in time, he's not a top three option. Okay, Harrison Barnes was a top three option when they won the championship. Nah, he was fourth behind Dre, Clay, and Steph. Draymond is not an option for the offense at any point in his career. <laughs> uh, that's Cat. Facilitating, that's cat. yeah. That's cat. He's facilitated. He's facilitated. And he's gotten his shots based on ball movement, other people being spaced out, and he gets those okay. wide open shots. Okay. But Harrison Barnes has had options as in, yo, we're going to have some sets. We're going to put it on the wing. Go get us one. You know, not we need you to score 20 or 30, but we need you to score in order for us to win. That's what I mean by an option. Draymond Green, throughout his career with Golden State, has not been somebody who needed to score 25 points a night in order to win. He just needed to hit one or two wide open threes just to make people respect him and so the offense can continue to flow. You make an excellent point, and I'll, I'll rebuttal it by saying this. That was my knock on RJ, is that I I don't know what his role in the NBA is, right? right. Because he's not a, he can't be a 3 and D player because he doesn't he can't shoot. Right. Is he an elite defender? Is he a great defender? He's not. And okay. the only thing he can really do is finish and drive to the basket. And right now that's really not in demand in the NBA. So where does he fit? What's his role? That's why for me Harrison Barnes was the first thing that came up to me, not not in terms of like similar play styles, but just right. like career trajectory but and a lot of people killed me for that take because they view Harrison Barnes I guess as mid but Harrison Barnes and Golden State won a championship as soon as he was the first option in Dallas he averaged 19 20 points per game he's always been he, he's a great role player you can fit him into most teams in the NBA he can have a defined role with RJ he doesn't have a defined role and with Randall struggling right now, a lot of Knicks fans want to just give RJ the keys and, you know, let's go where RJ takes us. 
that's going to take us to the lottery and getting a Jabari Smith or a Paolo Boncaro or Chet Holmgren. Like, next. the Knicks are a superstar, young talent away from really taking that next step. I don't think Julius fits, ne- fits well next to other stars, which is why I didn't want to pay him big money. We didn't mm-hmm. give him a max, so I was cool with it. It was whatever. But ultimately, the Knicks right now, being bad might not be the worst thing because we need a young, talented player that can develop. And Knicks fans are hoping it's Cam Reddish now. I mean, Cam Reddish, he's... You mean Kevin Knox? <laughs> yeah, basically. Cam, Cam Reddish has all the talent in the world. He just has to wake up one day and say, you know what? I'm actually good at basketball. If he ever does that, then he actually... But it's based off, it's based off opportunity. What Are, the, are these coaches going to actually give him the, the ball? And Draymond, Draymond Green something? said this on JJ's podcast. He said, all potential means is that you have improved shit. And that's a fact. Like, and there's okay. a lot, and there's a lot of players in I the NBA that. right now that have potential, like an RJ. Because when you say RJ Barrett can be a Harrison Barnes type of player, everybody goes crazy because they view RJ's potential, right, as a third overall pick. They don't view RJ as what he is now, and they never think that what he is now is probably what he's gonna be. You know, so that's the I big mean, thing. The, the, the sick, the sick part of how I think is I never projected him to be anything. It's crazy because RJ Harrison Barnes was <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, he's why, 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 <laughs> wait, 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 uh, wait, why are we making RJ. it seem like Harrison Barnes was like four or five picks after RJ Barrett though? He was like a top he was a seventh pick. pick. No, he was a seventh yeah, pick. Harrison, he was Harrison. He's a good ball player. That's what I'm he was projected to be pretty high. So I don't. Harrison Barnes <laughs> is projected to be high, but the thing that I'm saying is you have to look at how these guys play. Mm. When you look at Harrison Barnes and you and, and what draft pick was he? You say he was seventh. Seventh, yeah. yeah. Okay, during that State. time, right during that time, Harrison Barnes, six eight, about what about six eight, good yep. size, could defend, had a mid range jump shot, had a three ball, let go left, go right, complete. Didn't need player, the ball either, right? Complete player who could, at the very least, be somebody who plays off of the ball and is somebody who can give you some numbers. When you look at R.J. Barrett, what you what what I saw watching him at Duke is this. This guy is extremely confident. He's going to jack up shots and get 20 or 30. He can't really shoot that much, and he can't go right. So if he's not in a situation where he has the entire team built around him and he's allowed to do whatever he wants, how good is he really going to be? And so now we're looking at him with the New York Knicks where he wasn't really given the opportunity to be that guy from the jump. You have Julius Randle who played a whole lot better than people expected. So now we're looking at R.J. Barry having to play a role. Now that's where skill comes in play, skill and IQ. What is R.J. Barry going to be? This is how I was thinking at Duke. On the other side, when I look at Cam Reddish, I say, this guy is the third option on the team, and he looks like he doesn't want to play basketball every day. But yet and still, he is coming in here and getting 11, 12 points a night. And I've watched him in high school walk in and get 50 balls. So... I am more willing to believe that if Cam Reddish had the opportunity that R.J. Barrett had, which is still not a, a opportunity where everything is built around him, he probably would produce more than R.J. Barrett would right now because yeah. he can still shoot, pass, and dribble. He I does like lock up low-key. He's 6'8 to 6'9". Ah. You yeah. know, he just needs a little bit more of an opportunity. He's playing next to Trey Young. Trey Young is the guy. Nobody's mad at that. You got John Collins, who's going to be in there doing his thing. You have Bongdanovich, and you have uh, Huerter. 
Herder, excuse me. Yeah, who, you know, you have a lot of other guys out there who one can score, two, the offense is more suited for them, and they're just more confident in their game. So Cam Reddish is going to take that back seat. So that's, you know, that's my thinking, but I never looked at R.J. Barrett and said to myself, like, we got the same thinking. We here. This one's we the guy. As much as much as I hope RJ pans out, um, I will say this: it, it is hurt. disappointing where he is right now. And I've mentioned this before. You look at the 2019 draft class. the The players who have went that were picked after him. I'm not talking about John Zion. I mean, Darius Garland is far better. Tyler Hero is far better. DeAndre Hunter has a role. I would say they're around the same, but, you know, he has a defined role. Jordan Poole now is better. Like, Jordan Poole has developed into a better Yo, player, nice. and I think I'm forgetting a couple players. I think I may, be, I may be forgetting a couple players, but if the Knicks had a Darius Garland or if they had a Tyler Hero, I have no doubt in my mind right now Tyler Hero is scoring 23 a game with the Knicks. No mm-hmm. doubt in my mind. No doubt. Darius Garland is doing with the Knicks what he's doing in Cleveland. He'd be, uh, it'd be a perfect pick and roll duo with Julius Randle. So th- that's where he I think averaging, he's averaging twenty two right now with the Heat. Something around that. It's like yeah, imagine the bench, you actually yeah. gave him number one touches. Maybe you're right. Maybe he even touches that twenty four, twenty five. He knows? probably looks more like D Book right now. Like you know, like just yeah. going crazy every single night. So, I know what you mean. You know, it is disappointing with RJ. But back back to the original question. What do you think is the main problem with the Knicks right now? It, it's listen, with all due respect to your Knicks, Julius Randle shooting a career low from the field outside of his rookie season, which doesn't even count because he only played one game the year after he gets this enormous contract. It's just one of those situations where you look at it's a contract year. He's going all balls to the wall to get his money understands what where where he's playing understands the the totality of playing in Madison Square Garden and he plays up to the he plays up to the task until playoff time and playoff times where we started to see the Randall that we're seeing basically all this season so Thibodeau gets a little bit of blame but I look more to Julius Randall because there was a lot of expectations on his name going into this year you were expecting Julius Randall to be the the be- the best defensive player on your team the, the guy who was shooting almost 40 percent from three the guy who from the field was shooting almost 50 percent from the field it, you were getting none of that you're and you're getting it minus 10 percent from both it, it's just hard to look at last season and and see that Julius Randle and think he's going to be drastically worse because you can regress from a season to season where you play better one year than the next it had that's 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 basketball great players but don't a hundred percent great players do not fall off a cliff and that's what Julius Randle's done and he's put the Knicks in a, pe- a peculiar situation where now they were expecting to be a playoff or a play-in team where last year they were the fourth seed. And now this year they're scrambling to be a play-in team and potentially could be a lottery team. So Riv, you kind of said you think it's Tibbs. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's a combination of both. I think Tibbs, like it, ah, it's, it's really tough because Tibbs, He's, he's very stubborn, like I said. So his lineups are very – and he puts a lot on Julius Randle. You know, last year, Julius Randle showed you he was their best playmaker, one of their best defenders, their best scorer, 
damn near their best rebounders. That's four. That's four main things on the on the basketball court. So you know, this year he came in with a lot of expectations, like Drew said, and Tibbs just put a lot on him. He didn't in the beginning of the year. He didn't let RJ operate as as much as we want to say about RJ. You got you got to give him some opportunity. He's on your team. He's the third pick in the draft. You got to be Kemba. Kemba didn't get you know Kemba. I don't. I feel like Kemba didn't get a lot of opportunity. Fournier didn't get a lot of opportunities. A lot of the opportunities was given when Randall had the ball. He was on the court. You get these guys and you have to let like like it's it's kind of like. So I bring it back to Golden State and because I bring it back to Golden State because they run plays for Otto Porter, those type of guys like they run plays for Wiggins. They run plays for Poole. Like it doesn't matter how low on the totem pole you are on the team. Your coach, if he trusts you, he's going to run some plays for you. So I feel like with Tibbs, he's so stubborn and he did the same thing in Chicago. You know, he ran D Rose down like that. Luol Dang led the league in minutes like three years in a row. Joakim Noah, he put a lot on his star players. And you guys have it's different with you guys because you guys have less star players at the top, but you guys have a lot of depth. So I'm confused as to why he's not giving these other guys opportunities quickly. His minutes are up and down. Sometimes he plays 25. Sometimes he plays 10. So it's, it's I'll put a lot of the blame on Tibbs too, but Rand will get some blame too, of course. So HP, you think that RJ will never live up to his star J Barrett nickname? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that he had that nickname. That's sick. well made it up. <laughs> Oh, that's Joel. You're sick. That's what. That's what I really like. You're a sick dude. And look, I like, but you a different type of sick. All right, like that's, that's nasty. Real talk. That's yo, yo. Listen, as much as I'm not the hugest RJ fan, you gotta admit, Star J is a tough name. Oh, look, it's tough when you tough. <laughs> that's nice. That's true. It's that's tough true. when you tough. When you're that dude, it sounds better. Facts. And look, that's facts. playoff. He sounded incredible until I saw the. <laughs> <laughs> playoff P sounding yo 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 chill off chill off chill off my boy playoff P though please Who? please chill off way off P, P way off yeah. P that's what he meant you you sick too now that I know you like playoff P you sick too <laughs> I prefer I prefer PG thirteen that's the guy I prefer but oh look that yeah. was the coolest name ever that's that's yeah, by sure. far the coolest name ever since I heard a black mamba coolest name ever PG thirteen can't make it up I- I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this uh, HP because. <clears throat> Knowing that you talk a lot about opportunities and coaching and all that type of stuff, Tyron Lue is someone who has really maximized his roster with not a lot of talent. PG has been out for a lot of time. Kawhi has been out. You look at the Clippers right now. Marcus Morris has missed half of their game. Sergi Baca, Nick Batum, PG. Kawhi hasn't played. He's winning with guys like Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, Terrence Mann, Zubac, Brandon Boston, Boston, Amir Coffey, like Eric Bledsoe. Uh, Do you think that Tyron Lue should get Coach of the Year buzzing, even if he shouldn't get it? uh, What are your thoughts on just the job he's done all season? I think that Tyron Lue, I think he deserves deserves definitely some buzz without a doubt. I'll be the first one to say I didn't think Tyron Lue could coach. I didn't think he could coach for a very long time, even when he was with LeBron, because I look at it as LeBron was the coach and Tyron Lue just kind of was his boy and, you know, just kind of let him rock out. This is the first year where I actually look at Tyron Lue and I say, yo, like, I was wrong. I was for sure wrong. He can coach. He's doing a lot with, I won't say nothing because that sounds disrespectful. He's doing a lot with, he's doing a lot with way less than he was supposed to be having. Um, they're they're the fourth or are, where are they fifth fifth six in the uh, West right seven, now. Currently, seven. they're like se- they're seventh. They're they're seven. in the playing right now. They're, they're hunting. 
that that that's way better than what I expected, especially with Kawhi Leonard being completely out. Paul George, you know, was killing earlier in the season, but now it looks like he's not going to be in for the rest of the season. Possibly he's he's doing an incredible job. Do I think he deserves coach of the year? I'm not sure, but his name definitely deserves to be in conversations. I'll admit that for sure. And I was wrong. I want to be on the record to say I was wrong. Tyron Lou can coach. He can coach. I'm wrong. And what about you, JC? So, I mean, uh, I've been a, a strong advocate of Tyron Lue. He's somebody that, you know, when my team was in look for a head coach, I wanted him on my team. Obviously, that didn't happen. But uh, I definitely do think he should get some buzz um, in the head coach of the year award. I don't think he'd win it just because he's the seventh seed and in the play-in. But, you know, just like you said, I mean, he goes into the season without Kawhi Leonard, his best player, uh, got towards ACL in the playoffs last year. So, He's gone. So you come to season without your best player. So your schemes and everything changes. Your offense has to change to fit Paul George. We get Paul George for about a month and a half to two months. Then he has that. I think it was an elbow injury that sidelined him. So that's another barrier that he had to overcome as a coach. And that's another adjustment that he had to make. So you're going into the season knowing one, you don't got Kawhi Leonard all year. And then two, in the middle of the season, um, my best player, a player who we all feel could be an all-star starter if he was playing. Now he's out. He's winning games with people like, and these are good players. Luke Kennard's a solid player. Zubach is a solid player. Boston's a good player. Amir is good. Morris is good. These are all good players, but these aren't players that we look at and think, oh, these guys give me the best opportunity to win every night. Because at the end of the day, a lot of these guys are inexperienced or just have never been that guy. So the fact that he has them as the seventh seed in the West, being that he doesn't have his two best players, I think that's I think that's amazing. I don't think he'll win just because of the position that his team's in at seven seed. I don't really remember a coach winning coach of the year in any any circumstance under I think the fourth seed or third or fourth seed. So he's probably not gonna win the coach of the year award. But do I think that he deserves some buzz? Absolutely. You go into the season without Kawhi, Paul George goes out midway, you're winning with players that you have to put on the fly young young players and you have them at 24 and 25 seventh in the west paul george comes back he's going to help your team and maybe he can help you get higher in the in the standings in the west so i definitely i definitely applaud tyron lu for what he's had to go through this year and i definitely think he should get some buzz because i do think he's a really good coach Riv, i'll save you for last bro no disrespect all right <laughs> you're the main attraction you can go last that's your boy i'm gonna be honest has he done a great job yes Coach of the year buzz for me personally, I can't, I can't even, I can't. I'm agree glad to you that. went before me. I that's exactly why I knew you could, you could, you could uh, give me a little bit of an argument against this. That being said, Eric Spolstra, Monty Williams, JB Bickerstaff, these are all guys that, if I'm looking at it from now to the end of the season, the Heat are going to be a top three seed in the East. The Cavaliers are probably going to be a top four at worst, top five season uh, seed in the East, and that is. A, a strong overachievement for what they were projected going into the season. And the Phoenix Suns, who statistically are, excuse me, uh, yeah, statistically are the best team in basketball. I'm going by record. That's what it was. That's the word I was looking for. But record wise. Thank you. Uh, the job that Monty Williams has done over in Phoenix with DeAndre and JaVale McGee being out basically in and on and off throughout for, for at least the last couple months, or the last month of basketball, excuse me, at least since the new year. And he's only lost one game since 2022 started. We Monty Williams needs his respect for what he's doing over there in Phoenix. Now, Eric Spolstra, who's had to dig so deep into that bench of his and is just continuously winning game after game. It's credit to what Spoke is doing. And Perfect. now, J.B. Bickerstaff, 
who over in Cleveland had them at one point as the two seed in the East, who are now the four seed. And they were the two seed. They were never higher than us. They were the two seed. Yes. I don't know about that one, but I continue. A couple did. All right. And now they're the four seed. And what he's been able to do, how, how quickly he's been able to change that culture in Cleveland needs acknowledgement. Since LeBron has left, they have struggled mightily to put together a team to actually contend in the East. Now you we see their best scorer statistically in Colin Sexton go out and suddenly they're better than, than, than they were before that you have Darius Garland playing at all-star level. He's been absolutely outstanding scoring the basketball playmaking wise. He's been amazing. You have Jared Allen who has played the best basketball of his career without a doubt on a defensive offensive level. He's been stellar. Evan Mobley, who right now has to be the leading candidate for rookie of the year, defensively, offensively, he's been amazing. And it's a lot of credit to what JB Bickerstaff is doing over there. He's helped change that culture around. So, has Tyron Lue been great? No doubt. For what he's been dealt without Kawhi Leonard, without Paul George, with Reggie Jackson being his best scorer right now, you have to give Tyron Lue the respect that, without a doubt, I give him nothing but praise. But I can't look at him as a coach of the year right now, given the fact that Monty Spoke and J.B. Biggerstaff are doing what they're doing, and they're sitting at where they're sitting at the standings. You're wrong. You're completely wrong. And listen. If Tyron Lue becomes, if he ends up being the sixth seed in the West and Paul George doesn't come back, he should win coach of the year. If he doesn't win it, the only guy who should get it over him is Eric because he's dealt with the same type of injuries that he's dealt Not with. Monty? Jimmy Butler has been out. Monty, Bam has bro, been the out. Suns, the Suns, the Suns look, haven't lost. They might win 60 this. games. No, listen, 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 yeah. listen, 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 listen. Let me, let me, I'll let y'all speak. I didn't you're, say you're wrong. You're wrong. I'll let y'all speak. You go come that crazy. You better cover some facts. Oh, listen. When Paul George went down, the Clippers were a fifth seed. They were sick. Pardon me. They were a sixth seed a couple games back from fifth seed. Paul George goes down, right? And since Paul George has gone down, the Clippers have four. No, pardon me. Three 20 plus point comebacks. Three. I actually have them right here. Let's on January 11th against versus Denver down 25 points. They end up winning that game 87-85. Paul George did not play that game. Neither did Kawhi. Against the Sixers, the MVP, right? We all agree, the MVP on January 21st, down 24, they win 102-101. In Philly, that was in Philly, on the road. Against the Wizards on January 25th, Bradley Bill, he's the best player in the court. We can all agree, he's the best player in the court. They're down 35 points. They win 116-115. Like, like Joel said, Marcus Morris has missed time. Reggie Jackson's missed time. Bledsoe has missed some time. Now, he's Reggie has guys. Pardon me. He's putting in guys with Amir Coffee, Brandon Boston Jr., who was a rookie. Like he's he's they're they were when Paul George went down, they were the number one ranked defense in the league, but they were the worst defense at protecting the paint. They also miss they their percentage. It, I forgot how to say the stat is they they had the most wide open shots and they were one of the worst teams shooting those. So they missed a lot of wide open shots when Paul George went down. Offensively, they're one of the worst offenses in the league. They're not that good offensively. Yet and still they find ways to grind out wins with like 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 as we say, I don't want to be disrespectful, but like players like Reggie Jackson, Terrence Mann, like these aren't star players. These are just good rotational players. You mentioned Monty Williams, Chris Paul's there, Devin Book is there, DeAndre Ayton is there. You mentioned, Bickers- you mentioned J.B. Bickerstaff. Darius Garland's there. Evan Mobley's there. 
Jared Allen's there. You tell me if, if Darius Garland misses a whole season and then Jared Allen's going to go out for the same time Paul George is going out, I guarantee you they won't be where they are with J.B. Biggerstaff and his coach. Same Monty Williams is probably a little different because, well, I don't know, because if Chris Paul goes out, we don't know. But I'm saying with Tyron Lue, what he's done with this roster, there isn't a star on this team that's playing for him. He's got them fighting in the West with the Jazz, with the, now, I'm not saying they're going to win the championship. Nobody's saying that. I'm not even going to say they're going to win a playoff series because Paul George, I'm saying if Paul George, because he might miss the season with that elbow injury, if Paul George goes out for the rest of the season and Tyron Lue wills this team to a sixth seed, he definitely, I, I, let me not say win it, but he should be a finalist for coach of the year because he's dealing with literally a very, not a bad roster, but not a good roster where he should be a sixth seed in the West. That's ridiculous, Riv. And the reason why that's ridiculous is because you you said the West, like the West has been the West of old this season. The East is more competitive than the West this year. That's just a fact. For me to be getting coach of the year buzz, you need to be top five in that running. I look at Monty Williams. He's ahead of him. None of you mentioned him. Taylor Jenkins with Memphis. He's ahead of him for sure. Mm-hmm. Your boy Billy Donovan with Chicago. Yeah, he's definitely ahead of him as well. Can I ask why the, why Jenkins is ahead of Tyron Lue when he's a worse seed than the, the Clippers right now? Taylor Jenkins coaches for the Grizzlies. There's, there's a third I'm, I'm, Grizzlies. I'm sorry, bro. I thought you said I thought you said the Timberwolves. I apologize. No, Go ahead. No, no, no. That's the guy. Oh, he he said they would be fifth seed too, by the way. That's how good he thought they'd be. And they're close. <laughs> yeah. So Okay, I'll give you for sure. The Grizzlies head coach. So Monty Williams, Taylor Jenkins, J.B. Bickerstaff. I look at Billy Donovan. Yeah, he deserves it more. And then to name one more, Eric Spoelstra. That's, that's five now, right there. Now, stop right there. I'm, answer this year, question man. real quick. How many of those coaches had to deal with two of their superstars missing a lot of time? Well, I can tell you that Billy Donovan is dealt with COVID question. all year. Right now, you, you guys. Right, but, you didn't answer the question. Well, Bulls none of them have, have had COVID to. Too, bro. Thank you, JC. We had our games postponed. We didn't have to play with our two stars. We just had yeah. our games postponed. Yeah, Tyron Lue has had to walk out with lineups. He's literally starting Amir Coffee. You didn't know who that was prior to this season. He's literally <laughs> I starting. I knew who Amir Coffee was. All right, Riv. Basically, the, the argument team. you're making, Riv, the argument you're making is basically this sim- a similar type of argument that you made last year of why Steph should be the MVP. No, Steph- what I'm saying is when 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 Westbrook made history, right, and he when he averaged a triple double and he won the MVP before that. The MVP was you had to be a probably a top three or four seed in the league, and you had to be you had to be you had to be on the best team or one of the best teams in the league while playing at that level. Westbrook wasn't that. What I'm saying still have to Westbrook just averaged a triple double. Which and what I'm saying is what Tyron what I'm saying with Tyron Lue is doing the type of adjustments he's making on a daily basis, the type of rotations he's putting out there. (laughs) He's literally going out there and he's out coaching teams. Like he's not, he's not, he's out coaching teams. He's going out there and he's not having the most talent. He's out coaching other coaches and he's winning these type of games. There's no way you can sit here and say he can't get a nod if he's doing it with the same way how we love Joker and we give Joker all this praise, but he's doing it with less. We have to look at Tyron Lue and say, well, he's, literally doing what the Joker is doing with less. If you really think about it from a coaching the di- perspective. The difference is, is that Tyron Lue is keeping the Clippers afloat. That's why I said teams, if he's The if. teams that I mentioned, J.B. Bickerstaff has overachieved. Like, 
by far, I mean, nobody thought Cleveland would be a top five seed in the no, East. Yeah, nobody. Oh, no. Number three right now. The Grizzlies have overachieved. They're tied. Mm-hmm. You even Chicago. I mean, for them to be a number one seed, I mean, I thought they'd be a top five seed. I thought they'd be the fifth seed, but they've overachieved. Billy Donovan taking a team but, who wasn't in the playoffs to a top three seed in the East. And then, guys, Ma- you, and then Monty Williams. The Suns got a lot of slack for last season and how a lot of people called them a fluke last year. And now this year, you talked about DeAndre A and being out. It don't matter who's playing that center. And I've That's been told fact. you that. I've B- been told Bismack you. Bismack I've been told you that Aiden is replaceable. You got Bismack Biombo averaging twelve and Big ten. Facts. Like, come Big on, facts. bro. But 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 they're missing Kawhi Leonard and Paul. Like you said, you just said you just said the Cavaliers overachieved. This panel, this pick aside panel, had the Clippers with Paul George. The highest they can go is a six seed. That's where we had them. That's correct? what they're we at. Have, they're lower. That's what I have. No, but I'm saying, and what, but what, see, this is, you missed my, I called I them said, a playing look, team with PG. Look, exactly. With PG. And my, and what I said was if Tyron Luke scratches them to a, cause there's, they're eighth right now. He gets them to a six, they're seven, they're seven, 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 they're seven. If he gets them to his six seed, there's no way you can look at him any other way because you had him with Paul George as a plan. So if he overachieves that without Paul George, then you, you're, you're how can you not look at his overachieving in itself? He doesn't right, have Kawhi. Riv, he doesn't let's have PG. Stop, let's stop living in this this fantasy that you want us to give into. Do you? Do He's you a seven seed right now. Will they be the six seed or no? With, with all, my point is, do you think that they could gain four games over Denver right now with the team they currently have? Hell no. No, I don't think so. But that so there you go. So then throw whatever you're thinking out the window. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> just because I wait, 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 wait. So you can so wait, you can believe the Lakers can still win a chip, but I can't believe that the Clippers can grab the seventh seed. That that's what we're doing. That's that's what we're doing. Hold on, you believe the Lakers can still win a chip? Yes, he believes that, but I can't believe the Clippers. I'm a Laker fan. All right, like can I get can I get some slack? I'm a Laker fan. No, you cannot. HP, that's so messed up. I got LeBron, I got AD. That's really what I need. You know, wait, that's wait. And you know what's funny about that, Drew? They're literally higher than your Lakers with they LeBron, are. with AD, with Westbrook. They They're literally higher than them. <laughs> listen, listen. So it's Let that's us... that's the funniest part to me. I'm just saying, we, like, we need we to saw... start. Like, he, he's he's doing a, the, the Joker. He's doing a, a Joker like personality. Like, he's doing that as a coach. Like, you, you can put hypothetical but put another coach in that situation and tell me if they can do what Tyron Love does aside from Eric Spolster that's the only guy I think who can really do what he do but other than that can you really tell me another coach that can do what he's doing right now Tom Thibodeau oh god (laughs) Steve Nash (laughs) like there isn't another coach and that's nasty There isn't another question. All right, Rev, you, you made your point, but then again, you said he has to be in the he has to be the sixth seed to get that nod, and you don't believe oh, yeah, he'll facts. be there. So at the end of the day, you the answer is no. Yeah, but I think yeah. like he should just get some credit, man. Like he's seventh seed right now. Oh Definitely. no, we're giving him credit for sure. Mr. Minnesota here, they're below him. You're Minnesota boys not all for the long. time in the world. Not for they're long. Below him. Can, not can for you, long. Can you stop, bro? Just can you stop hurting our feelings? You're trying to like belittle our teams that we like, bro. It's just like I'm saying like Kawhi not there, PG not there. They're still winning. What's your excuse? Like literally, yeah. AD's been out for almost two months of basketball. LeBron missed just, the time. Paul the Lakers George just stink, bro. There's no excuses. The Lakers just suck. Yeah, like stop. Yeah. Stop being mean, guys. So before we mean. before we move on to the next topic, a quick word from DraftKings. 
Four teams remain in the NFL playoffs, and that means only four teams left for you to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a customer? You can experience a conference championship with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. After our promo, we always start out the next segment with this week in the NBA. This week in the NBA is anything you saw this past week that piqued your attention and is not on the topic list. For me, it's Bradley Beal having his yearly blaming my teammates for why we suck so much and basically throwing a throwing a tantrum, throwing a temper tantrum out there, even though he chose to stay there. Uh, he said this after the 35-point loss to the Clippers. A lot of my teammates are fighting for minutes for survival, trying to stay in the league. It's tough to manage that because everyone has a different agenda. While I do think Beal isn't entirely wrong, for you to be the best player on the team, for you to shoulder a superstar type of load, that is the worst thing you can say to the media. And at what point does Beal take criticism for averaging seven points lower than he did last season? His efficiency is far worse than it was from last year. And the players that he's playing with, I wouldn't say are like survival guys. Like Kuzma, yeah, with the Lakers, he underachieved, but he's averaging 16 and 9. Harrell's averaging 14 and 7. Dinwiddie just got paid. He doesn't need to survive. He just got paid. Like, I don't know what Beal is really talking about. Every single year, he goes out and he basically throws out these fits to the media, and there's a bunch of pictures of him looking sad on the sidelines because they're losing. The only year I give him slack is nine is nineteen twenty. No, is three years ago when he was averaging thirty and the team was completely trash. But when Westbrook got there, he threw the same fit. And now this year with a team that has a lot of depth, though is the Wizards were good to begin the year and they fallen off. I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt this time. I've said it before. I don't think Beal is a superstar player. He's an all-star level player, that's for sure. But I think people, because he was averaging 30 the past two seasons, kind of put him in this realm with other top guys, and I just don't think he's there. All right. Ah, my inside the NBA moment, Carmelo Anthony. You know, I don't. I'm not really a fan of Melo, but I got to show him some love here. He You're becomes a Syracuse the, fan, and you don't. You don't like Melo. I was literally five. But where's the correlation? I was five. You got your only chip. I was five. You have no loyalty, man. I was five. Why is nobody listening? I I became a fan in like, oh, no. All right, bro. bro. So you're a Bulls fan. Whatever Jordan did is irrelevant. No. What the hell? I root for D. Rose. Make it make sense to me. But all Um, right, go ahead. Here we go. Carmelo Anthony becomes the ninth player in NBA history to reach 28K. And I think that, you know, 
for him reaching that, you know, as great as he is, you know, people have given him, me included, have talked about his lack of defense, his lack of not passing the ball. But one thing I can't take away from Melo is he wanted, he's one of the greatest scorers of his era, one of the greatest scorers the game has ever seen. He had almost every move in his arsenal from the post-up game to the mid-range to the three-point shot. He was as clutch as ever. And he brought a lot of that glory to the Knicks and their best games came from Melo in the garden, especially one I can remember him hitting the two big threes, one to force OT and one to win it. You know, his Denver days, his athletic days in Denver, he was dunking on everybody and he was dueling with Kobe in the WCF. So uh, for that, I got to give Melo some love because, you know, being a ninth player to get 28K is still impressive nonetheless. All right, this week in the NBA for me, I want to talk about Pascal Siakam. I feel like he's a, a ball player that has been under the radar this season. And this past week, averaging over 21 points per game, eight rebounds, eight assists, shooting over 52% from the field. He's been doing his thing. Raptors have been on and off, hot and cold throughout this season. This past week, they split. Exactly. They've been win-loss, win-loss. But Pascal Siakam, a lot of the credit has been given to Fred Van Vliet, and rightfully so. Fred's been amazing. But when are we going to start to address Pascal Siakam and how great that he's played? Throughout the season, he's been shooting over 48% from the field. An uh, underlooked part of his game has been his facilitating average over five assists per game this season. He's a 22 and eight per game uh, type player right now. Pascal Siakam is becoming the most underrated player in basketball very quickly. Um, <clears throat> for my this week in the NBA, I'm highlighting a historic day that happened. I want to say a couple of days ago, I'm a little late on this, but uh, it was the anniversary of Kobe Bryant scoring 81 points in a game. That's the second highest scoring performance in, in NBA history. Uh, that's one of like the few many career memories that we have of Kobe Bryant. Um, the box score of that game, Kobe obviously had 81.6 rebounds, two assists, went 28 for 46 from the field, 18 for 20 from the free throw line, and went 7 for 13 from the three-point line. Kobe finished the game with 81 points. The Raptors as a team through three quarters had 85 points. And the Raptors, as a team through four quarters, had 104 points, and they only outscored Kobe Bryant by 23 points. Um, that's the second highest scoring output in NBA history. There's not much that you can say about that game. Um, I mean, it's probably. I mean, Devin Booker flirted with it with 70 points. It's gonna be. It's it's gonna be a hard record or second place record to be because 81 points. Like, it's hard to even do that in 2K in a video game. So How the much fact Booker that, had? 71. Does anybody know who's like, who's fourth or fifth? I believe. (sighs) Now I do have a a statement. If Clay Thompson plays the fourth quarter, the way that he was playing, it's not impossible to think he would have not gotten close. Like he would have been. What did he have? What did he have? Didn't he have like, like almost 63 quarters? quarters? Yeah. I mean, you can say that about him and Steph, bro. They both be wilder. In my opinion, again, this is when Steph had ter- 50 in three quarters. In terms of hot, when mm-hmm. the two players are hot, Clay Thompson is arguably the greatest basketball player to ever touch a basketball play a basketball when he's hot. We see that we see Clay get into these. I'm taking moments. Kobe when he's hot all day, bro. Kobe mm. scored 50 in four straight games, bro. Just think about <laughs> the 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 efficiency that Clay has when he's hot. Bro, Kobe I understand, bro. bro. Of course, bro. of course. But he's, he's average. He has five scored 81. Nobody's oh. Kobe you're, when he's hot. You're missing the, the point of what I'm trying to say because Kobe was getting the ball. Kobe was getting the ball regardless. 100% right. Without a doubt, 100% agree. But when Clay gets into one of those modes, 
He's a different type of ball oh, Drew, player. I'm here with so you. But there's there's nobody hotter than Steph when he gets hot, bro. Come on. Man. I disagree. I disagree. Wholeheartedly believe that Klay Thompson, when he's hot, is a better ball player than Steph Curry. Is he, just, is he just hotter? Like he's not a better <laughs> ball player. Oh no, no, no! A hundred. When Clay has those out of body performances, into, at that's least exactly what I'm saying. When he gets to that that place where he's just out of body, just the game, he's just going with the motions, and, a quarter. and the game just takes over. He is different. Thirty-seven and a quarter, like you mentioned, sixty-three. No, you're highlighting. No, you're highlighting the signatures. But I'm saying Steph does that. Like he doesn't have those, but he does the forties and the fifties, and he just gets hot more consistently to Clay. Is why I'm saying I think when Steph gets hot, there's nobody better than him because he has he can rack off forty point games consistently. Like Clay has the signature moments where he's like, oh shit, thirty seven and a quarter. Like he has those grand, but Steph does that on a consistent too. basis, bro. It's tough. I mean, that was you expect you get <laughs> Steph is going to get the basketball. It Clay's going. Going to get his for sure, no doubt about it. But he is not getting the basketball fed to him more often than not than what Steph and Kobe is. That's what I'm trying to say in the grand scheme. I'm not going to lie. Like he did it on four dribbles. He had 33. A team outscored Kobe Bryant. A whole team only outscored him by 23 points. And he was on par with them through three it's quarters. Kobe, it's Kobe Bryant, like, of course, of course, we're talking 81. about. Nah, but I, okay, like I, 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 I understand. You know, I think you guys took it way too far. Drew was just throwing yeah, that hyperbole to out Kobe, there, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's really all it was. It's like that's like Thompson, to when Kobe. he gets to a different mode, he's a freak of nature. But that's what I was saying. We were talking about Kobe and like who's one of those hey, that who got who close. Guarding okay, Kobe. Who was guarding Kobe? Jalen Rose. Hold on, hold on, I got a question for HP. What did you think about Kobe's performance? And do you agree that Klay Thompson, when he's the hottest, is the best player in the NBA or ever? Hell no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. Nah. But I will say that there are very few people that you can actually name who can do what Klay does when he's hot. They're very Fair. few. Like, Fair. like. Like, I don't think that KD can get into a mode like that. I don't think – I think Kyrie might be able to. Ooh, I, I don't know. He might be able to, but I don't even know if Kyrie can. Braun cannot. Like, there – Who can, in your opinion, HP? Then? Ray Allen. Kobe. Kobe, obviously. Kobe, he's the he's Kobe. the only one. Kobe's I think Ray Allen. One. Yo, if you if, if I want y'all to really like, if you go watch that Boston versus Chicago game. Oh my god, where Ray, Ray Allen knocked on twelve threes. Like he was on a like. Oh my god. So he just, HP had fourteen threes in a game. So HP, what's <clears throat> your week? He was, he was, but the thing is, is that we see Clay do this like, like you said, about two three times a year. Yeah, buy in. You know, so so it's kind of like we got to keep in mind that we are comparing one of Ray Allen's moments to a Wednesday afternoon game against the Sacramento Kings. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like there's a reason why people say, yo, listen, if you get to game six, Clay Thompson, go have game six. Mm -hmm. That's a normal thing. So there is very, very, very few people that I can name that can blow up in points like Clay. I think Steph is capable of it. I think Kobe is capable of it. Um, MJ, it's hard to say because I do think that he can, but at the same time, Clay is shooting threes, whereas MJ was going to hit 12 mid ranges in a row mm-hmm. and get four dunks. 
And that's still only going to come out. <laughs> and, that, and that's still going to come out to 30. I believe you know, MJ has the highest scoring playoff output still to this day. I think he has 69 yeah. against Cleveland. Not, not I, sure. He does. But how many shots was he taking to get it? And, yeah. and, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm all for MJ. MJ's the guy to me. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's like how many shots is he taking? And mm-hmm. then what is the offense being ran for him? Whereas Clay is really just kind of floating around, playing off the ball and just jacking it when he gets it. But he's making all of his jacks. So That's it's it. like fair. Uh, it's hard he to scored, say. He, he scored 60, 11 dribbles. He went yeah. 8 for 13 from 3. It's just when he gets into one of those modes, there are so few players that I would take over him when he gets to that level. So, HP, so, what what is your this week in the NBA? Man, I know it's something that people have already talked about, but I got to go and say anyway, this week for NBA for me was the passing of Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant is my favorite basketball player, clearly. I mean... That's you know, a tough photo. Thank That's you. the best sports photo ever. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. It, yeah. Um, you know, Kobe was my guy for real. Um, I played in beans in high school. I played in beans in college. Um, yeah, it just, and, and I remember the day before his passing, I was on Twitter arguing with people about, Kobe Bryant being top three greatest players of all time. I was going back and forth with people and, you know, people calling me idiots and all types of, you know, wild stuff. And I remember sitting down on the couch and opening my phone and seeing the reports. And I just completely lost it because Kobe is one of probably two people who I actually cared to meet in life, you know? So um, I think that he has so much to give to the game beyond just getting buckets. He was very different opposed to a lot of other basketball players you see today where he was coming back and giving knowledge to people. And he was what I like to say all the time, you know, is creating sickos. He's one of the last sickos that I've seen in basketball. Kyrie is probably the next closest thing. And Clay is also in that category. You know, just a sick dude, you know, somebody who didn't care about his efficiency. He didn't care about what his stats were. He played every single game with the intention of trying to win it. And I think that we don't see that as often with people wanting to, you know, be efficient and have their stats for contract time and, you know, all those different things. And I just want to take the opportunity to just say that. You know, I appreciate Kobe and everything that he brought to the game, what he's brought to the world. Prayers to his family, as well as all the other people who lost their lives in that tragic accident. And I hope that somebody picks up what he left off. I hope that there's a new generation of kids that pick up what he left off and we can just get back to watching high level sick basketball. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And uh, before we go on. A quick shout out to both of my cousins. My first cousin being Melvin, who took me to the Rams game. We were driving all around L.A. I went there. We went to the playoff game. And to my cousin, David, who his birthday is yes, tomorrow. Sir. So happy birthday to him. Happy early birthday to him. When this comes out, it'll be his birthday. So happy birthday to him. Uh, this next topic, I'll start off with you, Riff. Yo. James Wiseman still has no timetable for his return. Should the Warriors be concerned? Oh, 
No, I don't think so. And I think it's because of the timeline of how the Warriors are going. You know, I think with a big man who suffers a knee injury that early into his career, I think you have to take the time and you have to kind of like play it out. I don't think you should rush him back because something like that could be very severe for a big like that. And I think the way this team is projecting, this team is probably going to finish either number one or number two in the West. You know, this team is probably going to finish with the high seed clays back, you know, and their small ball brand of basketball, it works, you know? So I think like, and Draymond's going to be back soon too. You know, I so said, I think having Draymond is incredible. I think Wiseman, he's only really like not saying he's not going to be, he's, he's key for the future of the Warriors, but for right now, he's only really needed to play bigs like the Joker and they won't really see the Joker. I think like, like uh, we had a segment before when they played the Suns, they still dominated the rebounds, regardless of the other team having DeAndre Ayton and JaVale McGee. So, and with Utah, Rudy Gobert poses no real effect to them because they're a three-point shooting team, and they go small, and that's something that affects Utah. So, for James Wiseman, they got him to be that type of big body, and Denver isn't going to re- really threaten them because they're injured. So, they don't really need him at the moment. I think they can take their time with him. And then, of course, like we were talking about before the show, with Jonathan Kaminga, the way he's playing when he gets the minutes, and then Jordan Poole being who he is, Otto Porter being that solid guy for them. They got JTA. Damian Lee stepped up his game a little bit as he's been getting more minutes. They got these solid role players. They don't, they have 10 deep now. So Wiseman, I don't even know how he would fit in. Kevon Looney, I love the rant about him because he's just so bad to watch sometimes. He's been really good for them defensively and rebounding wise. And he's been doing a lot on the offensive end for them too. Sneaky showing some moves. I remember me and JC was laughing one time because they ranked them as the next KD on, on YouTube. on Ball oh, they on them, Yeah, they called them the next KD. And we <laughs> was just laughing about it for a long time. So yeah, they don't need him right now. I think they're in the right position. They're in a great place right now. They can just take their time with him. Okay, and what do you what do you think, uh, Drew? This is a tough subject for me because I am very adamant on the fact that I understand that you have Clay Thompson and, and Jordan Poole has shown great flashes, but that pick comes around and you pass up on Lamelo Ball. To me, it's inexcusable. I'm sorry, bro. It's inexcusable. You you passed up on Lamelo because you <laughs> thought you had depth at the position, which is fair. You have Clay Thompson. You have Jordan Poole. Clay Thompson's getting older. He, he was coming That's off a torn AC. Coming off a torn ACL, you could have paired him with Steph Curry to not only facilitate Steph Curry the basketball, but really get another scorer in. Draymond's there. In there that can get their own bucket. <laughs> no, this is a serious question, Drew. Let me ask you. Let me ask you a serious no, question. But, but what if, does that have to do with Lamelo? No, that's what I'm saying. In, let me ask you a question. State. If if Lamelo gets drafted, right? What does Draymond's role become? It's still the same thing. Now you have wow, another Lamelo. If Lamelo is essentially an, drafted to play that role, but you you would have another ball player that can do it. So now <coughs> who do you you can't what, either way? You're right, JC. Yeah, but <laughs> either no, nah, bro. Uh, either way you shape it, it's who you're going to be more focused on Lamelo, obviously, because he opposes more of a threat offensively, which is only going to allow Draymond Green to be even more meticulous with what he wants to do on the court and just gives him more ability to do so. I don't think you're wrong, Drew. Uh, I, I don't think that the Warriors needed that position. They didn't need Lamelo. They didn't need it. But no I, I, I understand why you still drafted because yeah. Lamelo's going to be a, a star. Um, I thought the, a bigger miss was Onyeka. I think Onyeka has already shown that he's he's one of the, he's one of the better defensive bigs in the NBA. Even though Wiseman has more potential, 
uh, Onyeka has already shown those flashes for Atlanta. He guarded Giannis in the playoffs like better than Capella, and he was really great against him. I'm worried about James Wiseman. He hasn't played much basketball in three years. He missed yeah. his damn near entire year at Memphis. Last year, tears his uh, meniscus, meniscus, I believe. Yeah, mm-hmm. out last year. Now, this year, he might be out the entire year. Curris talked about how he adds a lob threat to their team. But when you watch Wiseman play, I, I think a couple things stand out. For one, he still doesn't understand the Warrior system, which isn't a knock because it's a difficult and complex system. It takes some time to understand it and to know how to play with Curry and Clay and Draymond. But I also don't see that dog in Wiseman. I don't I don't see him as one of those guys that really wants to get after it on a nightly basis. He, he's kind of laid back and, you know, nonchalant. So I, I'm worried about his injuries because these injuries at his early age is concerning and he hasn't played much basketball. I don't think the Warriors need him, but if he lives up to the third overall, I mean, the second overall pick, then, I mean, that is just an added bonus to what the Warriors already have, and it, it takes them a step above, for sure. But do you do you see that right now? Do you see him being as good of a ball player as Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball by any stretch of the means? Honestly, for I me, I don't, I don't think Wiseman, because he's in Golden State, doesn't need to be that. He needs to be Andrew Bogut. That's what I compare him to. He needs to be— him number two overall. I'm not Bogut was the number one overall pick, and I understand let me what let you're me ask saying. you let me ask you this let me ask you this do the Suns regret drafting DeAndre Ayton? Mm, that's a good question. They didn't draft Luca or Trey because of him, but for as replaceable as he's been able to be in hindsight, I'm sure the answer would be yes. I I think the Suns are fine. I don't I don't I think they are Aiden, fine. They're Clearly, fine. Record wise, they're fine. No, but yeah. I'm sure they would love for Luka. me. I they think would love Trey Young. I think Golden State doesn't care that they didn't draft Lamelo and Edwards was the number one pick. So you know they couldn't draft them anyway. Of I don't think Golden. I don't think Sorry, Golden State cares if they didn't draft Lamelo if Wiseman at least becomes a solid big in the NBA. Yeah, and to add on to that, you you mentioned Wiseman doesn't have that dog in him. But Jordan Poole and Kaminga do like they, yeah. it's it's in those two guys. So you have those two guys and Wiggins didn't have that dog when he walked into Golden State. Like he, did it. He, he was very laid back, didn't really care. I'm the number one pick. I got my money. So it, it's like and like you said, Wiseman hasn't played ball. So it's like it's going to take some time, obviously. But the way their timeline and set, they can take as much time as they need with him. They don't need to rush the process. And I like I do understand, Drew. LaMelo is somebody you don't miss on because of his star potential. But in a situation where you have the best point guard in the league, you have one of the best two guards in the league when he does play, and you have the best defense, one of the best defensive players in the league. It's okay to miss on a star like that because your timeline isn't like your timeline isn't where you need it. You feel I me? Mean? Wiseman was something they needed. Not needed, needed, but like down the road, they're going to need. So I think that was the right pick in hindsight because you still have Steph, you still have Clay, and you saw Steph last year. You saw, you see Steph now. Granted, he's been struggling, but he's still one of the best players in the league. I mean, Clay, as soon as he gets his feet under him, he's still one of the best two guards in the league. So, and Draymond's still one of the best defensive players in the league. So, even in hindsight, you don't really need Wiseman to be that just yet. I agree. I think that Wise, I, I think that they don't need Wiseman right now. They don't need him to be a number three or number two pick esque player. 
Um, I think that really what they need him for is, like you said, really just to kind of guard um, the bigger, more dominant centers in the league, such as the Jokic, if they ran into him, an Embiid, if they ran into him. They're all you know, East. Say that again. They're all in the East. Exactly. So if they ran into those guys, that's the only time where I could see them possibly using him. But then at the same time, because he hasn't played a lot of basketball and when we go off of what he has done when he was playing, IQ wasn't that high yet. A lot of bonehead fouls, a lot of, um, you know, just immature things. And this is the thing that makes me a little conflicted about him. I don't think I've ever seen a true seven footer as athletic as him not block shots mm. his Had, timing is very bad you, like 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 really really think about it just anybody chime in do, do you ever notice james wiseman trying to block shots like like i mean like actually jumping in like trying to swat and block shots it almost seems as if like it almost seems like he doesn't know he's seven foot one <laughs> and if he's trying to like wall up and like take charges or something like you never really see him going for blocks. Maybe that's because he's worried about his knees or his feet. You know, maybe just something hasn't clicked yet. But do, do you all see that or is that just me during the time he did play along with, you know, bad fouls and things of that nature? Where you no, can answer that question. I, yeah, no, I see what he's talking about, because <laughs> I think a lot of it is James Wiseman's. Let, let's be honest, his lack of knowledge on the court. You know, he he has not played the right amount of basketball in the last three years. You know, all we know, remember, really, really is his high school career. He played two games in Memphis. They were against bums. You know, you get the early when you're at college, you get the early scrubs first. You get your stats up. He dominated right. those guys. But even then, when you watch those games, the, the, the guys were six, four. He's seven feet tall. He's going to do that. And even then, he's bobbling the ball. You know, he's just he's he's like. I don't want to say he's Kwame Brown like a bust, but Kwame Brown, a lot of his problems sound like the problems James Wiseman had. He's bobbling the ball, doesn't really understand quite the big men things to do. IQ is low. So it's like a lot of it is he just hasn't played ball enough. So it it, it really is tough for him, but he's in the right system for me personally. Kwame was actually a good defender, though. That is true. I, I, think, I think that he is in the right system. I think that he is going to do well, you know, as far as, you know, God willing, he, you know, doesn't get injured and, you know, his body holds up. Um, as far as, you know, the LaMelo ball take, I don't think that Golden State is missing out on not drafting LaMelo because, like we had said before, LaMelo ball, 6'7", 6'8", point guard, you know, he is trying to facilitate. And you were saying how, well, what does that do for Draymond? We can't pretend like Draymond Green is multifaceted on the offensive end. He, <laughs> he he's not. That, hey, I mean, right. and, and, and nothing against him. You know, it just it is who he is. So he's almost he's almost the equivalent to early Lonzo Ball in Draymond <laughs> and on the offensive end. And what I mean by that is this: if he doesn't have the ball in his hands. What else can he do offensively for a team? He needs the ball in his hand. So, yes, is LaMelo, you know, a star in the making? Absolutely. But bringing him in, LaMelo would have been most likely playing off the ball. Otherwise, Draymond Green would have been null and boy, which then means does LaMelo ball develop into the star we're seeing today? Because he's a point guard. He's not a shooting guard. He's not a small forward. He's a point guard. So I think that it's better that LaMelo went over to Charlotte 
I think that was a better situation for him. And I don't think that Golden State is sitting back thinking, you know, dang, we should we should have grabbed him. And, the, and I think the same thing for Anthony Edwards, if he was available after the first round, I don't think Anthony Edwards is somebody you grab either. And what about AC, what do you think, you JC, facts. about James Wilder? Uh, I mean, I, I'm I kind of I'm kind of in the realm of agreeing with all of you. Um, I don't think they really need James Wiseman because uh, this is a team who uh, most people have picked to win a championship, and he wasn't on the roster. Neither was Clay. You get Clay back, we can all agree Clay's the second most or third most important player on his team for it to be a championship contender. Um, <clears throat> I think Kevon Looney is fine for. At, for right now at, at the center, he's somebody who understands the system that they run. He's a solid defender, doesn't need to do much. But what I will say about James Wiseman is the injury is kind of like it's kind of concerning because, like you said, he missed a year of college last year. He missed a lot of time. But I feel like James Wiseman, he has to be that Andrew Bogut type of center to ex- maybe not. I don't want to say extend because I still feel like they'll be title contenders, but to furthermore help Golden State's championship window. So. Like if James Wiseman, if everything, like if James Wiseman, everything clicks, he's a guy who can grab rebounds. If he can learn how to develop to block shots and get stronger and everything, he's going to be somebody that's going to be with Golden State for a while. And he's going to be somebody that at the big man spot, you don't have to worry about. And he's going to help extend the window for their for their championship runs. They, uh, I believe that Andrew Bogut during the, a lot of their title runs was an unsung hero. I mean, great defender, set great screens, did all the little stuff that Draymond did not to the level of Draymond, but helping the Warriors in that sense. So for this year, I don't think they really need them. For, for this year, I don't think they really need them to compete for a title. But in the long run, I would like to see him present with the Warriors because I think he would help help their championship window keep extending if he can hit and be that big man. So in the NBA right now, we have the plan, right? And it doesn't the, – the 7 to 10 spots, they're not guaranteed playoff spots. So right now I'm going to name them in the East and West, starting with the East. And you guys tell me real quickly, who do you think is going to make the playoffs out of these teams? So starting off with the East, from the 7th to 10th seed, we actually have Atlanta tied 10th right now. It's the Charlotte Hornets, Boston Celtics, Toronto Raptors, Washington Wizards, and the Atlanta Hawks. Which teams, which teams are going to make it in the East? I'll start with you, Riv. Okay, so I'm. A, I think Atlanta's been rolling. You know, they their winners are five or six straight. I believe they just beat six. Boston. Yep. Yeah, six. They just beat Boston last night, and they finally seem to be clicking. Charlotte, I think they have a, a good a good a headway in the playoffs. They're about twenty eight and twenty two. They just beat the Lakers last night. It was a really great game too. Surprisingly, Westbrook was bugging. Finally, he had a great game. Um, but Charlotte. Anyways, um, uh, Charlotte is Charlotte is really it's it's a, they're a good team and I believe they'll get. It. I think Washington because I, I believe in Toronto. You know, as much as people on Twitter like to say Toronto, they don't have the pieces. I feel like their starting five is phenomenal. They fit each other. They gel with each other. They may not have that superstar, but they all play hard. One thing about Toronto is you're gonna get a fight every night. They play hard. They play defense, and they're well balanced. So I like Toronto. So for me, it's Washington. You know, team that's been struggling and dropping since. Thanksgiving, you know, Bradley Bill, as much as we people love Bradley Bill and the 30 points he put up, you know, he just hasn't looked like that leader. I don't think he's a leader. I think he's a guy that fits behind another star. So I think like a a Jimmy Butler can be a leader and he can be the guy behind that or Chris Paul would benefit with him. I think I just don't think he's a leader. And Washington just they, they like like they're not playing together. You know, you look at Toronto, they play together. Charlotte, they play together, you know, um. Atlanta, they're starting to play together. So for me, it's Washington. I don't think in the East, I don't think they're going to make it. So who do you have making it? 
Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I said it. Sorry. So I got Toronto. I got Charlotte. I got Boston and then Atlanta. So who do you have? Well, who do you have in the final spots? I mean, oh, like I'm seven, sorry. I'm, yeah. I'm saying the whole plan. Pardon me. Oh, I, I, I can't count Boston out. Jason Tatum and JB. So for me, it's going to be Boston and Charlotte. Those would be my two teams getting in. So those would be my two. And what about you, Drew? All right. I'm pretty similar with Riv. I, I don't see the Wizards right now staying in that that bubble of the four teams. We've seen it as the season's gone on. They started the season off tremendously hot, and I I kept it very consistent. This is not the team that they're showing out to be. As the season's gone on, they've come back to reality. They're really playing subpar basketball. And slowly but surely, we're starting to see the Hawks play the basketball that we were expecting them to play coming into the season. Winners of six straight. I think that as the season is going to go on, I think Atlanta will find a way to creep into that last play-in spot. The Celtics is a tricky ball game for me because you look at Tatum, you look at JB. The two of them together is are one of the best duos in basketball. It's the pieces around them. Who are you going to put around these two ball players to really elevate the team to that next level, that top four in the East? And right now, they're definitely not that team to 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 go to get to that next level and Toronto. I love what they have going on in Toronto. I just spoke about it in my, in my this week in the NBA and how great Pascal Siakam has been. Fred Van Vliet's been awesome. OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, top three in rookie of the year voting. He's been great too. I just think that it's not their year right now. And I look at the Hawks and I look at their playoff experience and I look at them getting healthy all at the right time. And I think inevitably it'll, it's, it'll result in them jumping into that last playing spot. I'm high on Charlotte. I like, I like what's going on over there in Charlotte. LaMelo ball is one of my favorite ball players. I said it a few weeks back. He has the potential for me at the end of next season to be a top 10 ball player, the way he can facilitate the way that he can score his efficiency. He just needs to get a little bit better on defense. And I think I'm, I'm pretty confident in him that he will get to that level. I think that this is this is their year for them to re, to to make a push for that play and 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 be locked in. They won't win a game in a so playoff. Seven, by the way. So seven, so seven. I'm with you. I'm with so you. So at the end of the so season, seven and eight. Who are going to get those final two playoff spots? My seven and eight is going to be Charlotte Hornets and the Atlanta Hawks. Ooh. And what about you, HP? I was going to say the exact same thing. I got Atlanta and Charlotte. I got Let's Atlanta and Charlotte going. I think that. Atlanta's playing good. They're starting to kind of roll a little bit more now. Trey Young is coming into form. I mean, they're I, and I, I just don't expect for them to. I don't expect for them to fall like that. I don't like just looking at the talent, looking at them having a great coach. I feel like they are going to do well, and I think that Charlotte was knocking on the door last year. Um, I think that Lamelo Ball has taken a step in the right direction. Miles Bridges looks like, in my opinion, Miles Bridges could be in the conversation for a most improved player. Um, who is it? Who who am I thinking? Terry Rozier's, you know, doing his thing. I just I just look at Charlotte and I say, you know what? They're going to come back from their last experience. I think that they can make it into the playoffs, very similar to how um, the Memphis Grizzlies did with John Moran and them. Mm. Uh, so I have them. I have them um, at that seventh and eighth spot. It's something that I was going to actually say concerning um, the um, Boston Celtics comment. It's not working. <laughs> And whose fault is it? Is it Tatum or is it JV in your honest opinion? Tatum. Tatum. Wow. Neither. Tatum. Oh, okay. Neither. Tatum. Oh, Tatum. I, I'm with you. I am with you. Tatum. 
I can I, can I ask why real quick? Can you just shoot me a why? All right. <laughs> Listen, All right, whatever no. you say, I'm going to back you because I 100% agree. I have your own opinion, man. Hey, well, listen, listen, <laughs> y'all no, listen I've been consistent. I like JB more than Tatum. I've said that. I like JB more than Tatum. Oh, you guys should have a picnic. I, I like <laughs> I like JB more than Tatum. I'll tell you why. So I think, first of all, let me say this. Tatum is a way more talented basketball player than Jalen Brown. Yep. He's a way more talented basketball 100%. player. 100%. Like, if we're looking at on paper, on paper, Jason Tatum is one of the most talented basketball players in the NBA on paper. Like he's in conversations next to Kevin Durant, um, Steph Curry. Um, like he, to me, talent wise, he's beyond Paul George on oh. paper, on paper. <laughs> on paper. <laughs> the issue that I have with Tatum and it's been my same issue since I saw him when he first got with the Boston Celtics, it looks like, he watched nothing but Tracy McGrady and Kobe Bryant highlights all of his career, but he never watched a full basketball game. Mm. I'll, I'll let that sit for a second. I'll let it sit for a second. So you're talking about his contested shot taking. Yes. Okay. Every time you watch Tatum, he, it's like, he doesn't know that when you catch the ball and you're wide open, if you want, you could just shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> everything, everything everything has to be a dribble combination a series of moves and don't get me wrong it's beautiful to watch i love it it's beautiful like you know hitting size steps falling into madonna's lap it's incredible i love so it he, he makes the game harder he makes it way harder than it has to be the thing that i look at with jalen brown is this jalen brown gets it done with less talent and he's more efficient he knows how to score without the ball in his hands he crashes the boards he gets in transition and gets finishes. He gets to the rim, you know, when he does have the ball and get with finishes. He has basic moves. He's gonna do a he's gonna do a cross, a hard snatch, fadeaway. He's gonna go right, spin back left, hit a fadeaway. He has very basic MJ and early bean-esque moves, but he doesn't have the talent of Tatum. So it's easier for you. And the thing about it is when you look at their numbers, Tatum's numbers is better than Jalen Brown's points, rebounds, all that. But it's not drastically bigger. Yeah. So if I can look at somebody who gets me 26 points with less dribbles and can play off the ball and on the ball, it's easier for me to say, you know what? I'm a rock with Brown. If Tatum could just make the game a little bit more simple for himself. That doesn't mean he doesn't have to still do the moves in the series of dribbles that he does. But if he could make it just a little bit more simple, he will see an increase in his points per game and he will work a lot better with Jalen Brown or better yet. I should say Jalen Brown will work a lot better with Tatum. I look at I look at both of them and it's like nobody can play good on the same night. Tatum has 40. Jalen Brown has 12. Jalen Brown has 50. Tatum's got 18. And it's like. It can't work because y'all are playing the same position and y'all are both trying to prove that y'all are one of them ones. <laughs> and the thing is, y'all are both one of the ones. But somebody's got to be willing to say, all right, look, this is going to be my role. I can still get 30 in this. And the other person has to be willing to say, all right, you know what? I got to figure out how to get 30 without having 30 dribbles before a jump shot. So mm-hmm. I put it more on Tatum as being the better basketball player, as being the face of the franchise, 
that he should be able to figure it out. Jalen Brown has done more than enough because I don't think anybody on this panel would say right now that they thought Jalen Brown would be what he is today, seeing him at Cal. He has developed his game. He has hit more jump shots. He's got bigger. He's got stronger. He's become more of a defensive basketball player. He has done everything possible, and he has been durable throughout his career. Tatum's got to do something. Tatum has to make a move somewhere. And And if we're being honest, I'll say this and I'll let it go. If we're being honest, Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan are actually doing what a lot of people expected Tatum and Brown to do in year three, and they're doing it in year one. Extremely accurate. If you're if you're Boston, if you're Boston, are you giving up on this duo? And if you are, who are you? You're trading Tatum, is what you're saying, right? No, I, I what I am I ready to give up on the duo? I'm about ready. I, I've been fighting for it for a long time. I'm about ready because when I watch them, I say to myself, this reminds me of young T Mac and Vince Carter in Toronto. But if I have to make the trade, I would probably trade Jalen Brown. The yeah. reason I trade him is because Tatum is the superstar and he is capable of getting it done on a very, very high level. What I will have to do is put somebody around him who may not be as talented as Jalen Brown, but can play more of a off ball role as far as catch and shoot, you know, a a, a more of a basic talent, um, a basic talent perspective of a player opposed to Jalen Brown, if that makes sense. Yeah, because with Jalen Brown, you limit the ceiling with Jason Tatum. You just have to find players who can ease him down pretty much. Basically, put, put it like this, put it like this, and, and nothing against your Knicks. It's like Jalen, J- Jason Tatum would fit good with the New York Knicks because nobody out there for real has any business trying to go for 40. Everybody's going to more so assume their role and let Tatum just be that guy. And y'all could possibly win a whole lot more games. You put Jalen Brown in that same situation, it's like, Eh, can I just give you the ball and say go into a Tatum type mode for Brown and get 50 on a regular basis? I don't know if he's that type of a guy. JC, who are your your two playoff teams that are gonna take the seven and eight spot? In the East, right? Yes. Okay, so um first I want to start with my teams that I think are gonna be out. I'm off on Washington. They've tanked so much. I feel like they have internal problems with what Bradley Beal said. They're trying to trade everybody, so they're a team that I think they're not gonna make it. Uh, I'm kind of out on Boston, too. We've seen what Boston's been all year, inconsistent, win one, lose, win two, lose two. They're dead even at, I believe, 24 and 24, or 23 and 24 around there. I'm not sold on the duo. I'm with who politics. I don't think it work. It would work out, and I'm not going to give them the nod to make the playoffs. And then my other team that it was really hard to choose between this team to be out, but I'm going to step out on the Toronto Raptors just for this year. I just... Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they make it, though. Let's, you know, let's get that clear. I wouldn't be surprised if they make it. I'm right. out on them slightly. Obviously, the, t- the two teams that I see going in are the Hornets. I feel like the Hornets are much better than last year. LaMelo Ball, hopefully he can stay healthy. They're 28 and 22. They have some good wins under their belt. And just as a morale thing, I think last year, them getting their butts kicked in the plan by Indiana mm-hmm. is going to make them strive for – it's just going to make them strive for more as a team, and I give them the nod to get in. And then I'm with – uh Drew as well. I think Atlanta's getting in. They've won six in a row. They're starting to get guys back that are healthy. Trey Young's balling. I'm on the team right now. This team looks like it's hot, and and this team looks like it teams looks like it's, it's prime for a playoff appearance. So my two teams that I have in are the Hornets and the Hawks for the East. I think we all have the same two teams because I'm going with the Hornets and Hawks right now. I, I've already said 
I said it back in like week one of the season. I don't think the Celtics are making the playoffs. Washington, I was a bit more invested in, but obviously they've been just a train wreck. And Toronto, you're done too. And Toronto is a really uh, they're really they're constructed really well. But I don't know if they have the star power to necessarily get over the top like I think Charlotte has with Lamelo and Atlanta has with Trey. So you four have picked Atlanta. You know, I think I was the only one I picked Boston and Charlotte. We all agree Charlotte though. We all picked Charlotte. Yeah. You yeah. four picked Atlanta. So let me guys. You, is there any chance that Atlanta can steal a first round series if they see anyone but the Bucks or the Nets? So if they see don't Chicago, see beating, Chicago say, or I Miami, I they're, not beating Miami. they're not beating Miami. They're not beating Miami. They're not beating Miami. They might get swept. I don't think they're beating either team. Their best yeah. shot is against Chicago. That's their best shot. And I think they would lose that in five, six games. To be honest, I don't give them more than that. Damn. I ain't gonna lie to you. I mean, I agree with you. I agree with everybody. But Trey Young is a nasty dude. He's I think he nice. not. Nah, I, I wouldn't if they beat Chicago. I wouldn't be shocked though. I yeah, yeah, it's one of those things. It's like it's like I really? expect to lose Chicago. You're crazy, <laughs> but look, if you can go into New York and have people like holding up signs saying you are balding, he is balding. Oh, it's atrocious! It's atrocious. <laughs> like, bro, I I could imagine waking up one day and like my hair being in my pillow. I couldn't imagine at, at, like, <laughs> at like 22. I couldn't imagine it. Couldn't imagine it. And the whole world watching saying like, yo, you're balding. And him to still walk out of there and say, hmm, 40. Like, that's a sick dude. So I wouldn't be surprised if he pulled it off. Against who? Chicago. Only Chicago. All right, In the Western Conference for me, Jimmy, it's, it's pretty easy. I have the Timberwolves filling out that seven and eight spot along with the LA Lakers and the Clippers and the Blazers missing the playoffs. I think that's pretty easy for me. Thanks. Um, oh, back fact. That's hundred percent what I'm leaning with as well. My Lakers are going to, I'm sorry, too. fellas. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ride the Ty Lue bandwagon. I got the clip. I got both LA teams oh, no. getting into the playoffs. Oh. I think there's not a, there isn't a day I live on earth that LeBron misses the playoffs. Like, and he's, he's oh playing. Like, he like, aside from that year, crazy. aside from that year, he has AD. The, LeBron's going to get them in. I don't think they're going to win. They're, they're not going to beat Phoenix or the Warriors, but they'll get in. The Clippers, for me, I think they'll gut out a win in the play-in. Minnesota, I understand they're more talented, but they're just not hungrier than the Clippers. They don't grind like the Clippers. I think the Clippers can steal one against them. They've already they they beaten them already, so I think they can beat them again. So for me, it's the Clippers. Both LA teams get into the playoffs. Rib, rib, rib. So, are, so, are, so, are, hmm? are you basing this with Paul George playing? Are you basing this with Paul George playing? I think with, whatever him, they go into the playoffs yeah, with. I think if with or without Paul George, they can beat the Temps. Somebody get this man a straight jacket. I'm serious. Yeah, you're wilding. I'm you're serious, wilding. bro. I, I'm not. I'm not a believer of the Tims. This is a. But this what? is a. This, so so, this, so, this is, is essentially what you're saying is you're expecting for the Clippers to be like the equivalent of that Atlanta Hawks team that was like the top team in the East uh, with like uh, in like 2015 or 2016. Are you talking about Al Horford, Demar Carroll? Yeah, yeah. No, like, no, no, like, no, no, no. Like I Horford. think this Clippers team is like. That same Clippers team that was an eighth seed against the Warriors. I think they got that 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 grind back, that grit back with Lou Will, Harrell. I think they're 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 hungry like that. And I think in a playoff atmosphere, 
because a play-in game is essentially a playoff atmosphere game. It is the playoffs. They they go up against Minnesota. I like their coaching odds. Tyron Lue completely is going to outclass Chris Finch in the coaching aspect. And I think a team like the Clippers, where they've dealt with a lot in their in their career, like they've dealt with last year and this year, the adversity they've dealt with, I think they can pull out that win and beat the Timberwolves. I think that's only like the Timberwolves is a game I think don't sleep on them to win that game. It's one game they can play out of their minds and they can win that game. I think Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell are too sick for that to happen. And Carl Anthony Towns? I don't think Carl Anthony Towns is a sick dude. I but he's, he's a dog, player. though. He's going. He's going to show. To, he's going to come to play. Anthony Edwards I, I, is. He's really like that. His mom. Yeah, like, like Anthony Edwards, like he a sick dude for real. Like so, Red, you taking Amir Coffee, Luka, Nar, Zubac, and Morris to be Minnesota healthy? Why you? Why you? Why you call their names out like that? I'm why you call that? I got a problem with you calling names out like that. Though. Like I, yo, I just so want to be clear. We got Morris, Amir Coffee, Reggie Jackson, Luka. Yo, like, it's crazy because I. Because I really gotta read their names because I don't know who most of these guys are to be honest with hey, you. Bro, look, but I, so you have them. So you have them be in Minnesota. You really. know Anthony Edwards averaged nineteen points against the Clippers, right? And how many games? Three. They lost all of them. So Mister Sick Guy, yeah, relax. Let's relax. Playoffs is different though. <laughs> no, let's relax. Let's pump the brakes. Playing in playoffs is different though. So they, they don't. They don't go there. They've never been there. So what I'm saying. But I'm saying the people, who, who, on the the people who are on the court for the, the Clippers are definitely not there. What do you mean? The Clippers just went to the WCF with those guys. What do you mean no, they've never been there? Tell me, tell me, tell me who they were on the. Well, Amir Coffee was on the team. After Reggie Jackson, the playoffs. After Reggie Jackson, because I know they all went to the playoffs, but they all had a different role than what they have now. Because obviously, you know, Kawhi and Paul, everybody's gone. Talk to me. Talk to me. Outside of Reggie Jackson. Tell me who on that team is sick that you think is going to like step up big like that. Outside the one, like, it's like the answer we're supposed to give you is Reggie Jackson. That's the answer we're supposed to give you. But if you're taking away Reggie no, Jackson, I, I think then Pat Bev is locking him up. Pat Bev is locking who up? Yes. He's Reggie locking Reggie Jackson. Nah, Pat Bev is not locking up Reggie Jackson. They played already, up, bro. bro. Like, Reggie, 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 Reggie Jackson. Is, Pat Bev's strapping out. Yeah, I think, Re- listen, Re- listen. Reggie, you're Jackson. talking crazy no, no, no. on Reggie. Bro, you're talking crazy on Reggie. Yeah, acting like I'm. Reggie's nice. Reggie Jackson is wired for forty. Let me let me let me be clear. Reggie Jackson's wired for forty. No, hold on. Wait a minute, because this this is a problem we have. This is a problem we have in the NBA. We just can we wait till Anthony Edwards actually shows us he's a sick dude first? Enough. He's he's averaging twenty two points per game. What are you talking about? I never said Lamelo was sick. I never said that. I never said that. I didn't say that. I personally didn't say that. I didn't say that. I'll tell you this. He's very consistent until he sees it in the playoffs. He's out on them. Which is what I've been adamant on you every single week. We have, we, a but show. we've seen. Wait, but wait, wait, hold on, but hold on. Again, I understand. Listen, and stop. I understand. I understand what SP is saying. He's saying, listen, Anthony Edwards is a is a is a bowler. But we've seen, we've actually seen Reggie Jackson and go psycho mode. Like we've actually seen it in a playoff mode. Like we've seen this. Like this I isn't. This is, we, I respect that. I respect yeah, we can't. That. We can't sit here and make I, that up. But with Anthony Edwards, we have to make that up in our head. Reggie ain't Jackson, no we can't Kat, make that up. Ain't, ain't no way Cat D'Lo and Anthony well, Edwards. Cat D'Lo, what? Cat D'Lo, what? You remember Cat in the playoffs? Do you Kat, remember Cat in the that playoffs? That was mad long ago. He was garbage. Didn't, didn't D'Lo show up and kill him in the playoffs though with Brooklyn? D'Lo wasn't that. Nah, D'Lo ain't show up either in the playoffs. He did. Listen, these are a bunch of not show up dudes that y'all rely on. I'm talking about this is five years to a point. I ain't got no argument. Stop. I don't want you. Come on. I'll, or you know what? Then I'll, I'll die on this hill. 
there's a certain thing as projecting, right? You project certain players to play a certain way come that moment. Anthony Edwards is one of those guys that you can project that come play. And while time, you're projecting, I can actually tell you. All right. All right Reggie again, Jackson listen, has done that. Like, I'm with, I can but, actually tell you that. King, this is this is someone who's with you saying oh, that I, I agree. Saying, Reggie okay. Jackson is like that. But I'm telling you right now, which is why I can't <laughs> agree. You're saying Levine. He's one of those. We have to wait and see. I don't have to wait and see. I know come playoff time, Levine's going to be that dude that he has been for the past two seasons. You were similar with the Suns last season. You didn't think that they'd be that squad because they weren't that type of squad before that. Sometimes you just have to project. It's okay to die on one of those hills. Certain players, it's worth dying for. Lamelo, Anthony the Minnesota Edwards, Timberwolves Levine, are not worth dying for, and that's fine. <laughs> that's great. But I'm talking Anthony <laughs> Edwards, hundred percent is. He's, I, I, he's, I, I, he's, I see what you're saying, and I agree because what y'all y'all are arguing two different points, but the same point at the same time. What you're basically saying is we can't project on teams, but the thing is we can project on can't miss talent players. No and doubt. And when we look at the last two years, the two can't miss guys that are killing it is Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball. So it is a very, very safe bet to say these guys, when they get the opportunity in the playoffs, they're going to be sick. The same way of how John Moran was and was battling with Donovan, Donovan Mitchell in them in his first time being there. We don't have to guess with Zach Levine because he's one of them ones. So I get both of y'all. I respect the idea that you don't want to give it to them until they show in the playoffs. Cause I'm that way about certain guys too. I respect that. I can't disagree with either one of y'all for real. And on to the last segment of the podcast, yeah. uh, on to the last segment of the podcast, the Memphis Grizzlies and the Cleveland Cavaliers have been two of the biggest surprises of the NBA. When we talk about young teams and teams in general, but come playoff time, which Oof. team do you think has the chance to go further, the Cavaliers or the Memphis Grizzlies? I'll start out with you, HP. In Memphis. I got Memphis going. Um, to your point of what you said earlier in the pod, the East is a lot more uh, competitive than the West is right now. Um, I got John Morant being, I mean, they, we need to start having the conversation about John Morant having his own Nike Nike shoe. Like he's looking like that type of a guy right now. Um I think he, I, I think that you said what? Now, now it's inside joke between me and Riz. Oh. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like I I think that you know John Moran's playing incredible, and they're doing a lot of this as well with Dylan Brooks not really being around that much consistently. Facts. I think Facts. that coming in, he provides a lot of defense, even though he got killed by Paul George after talking crazy. That was his fault. But <laughs> but he comes in. He brings a lot of defense. He's going to hit shots. Jaron Jackson is looking really good. The coach over there in Memphis is coaching his ass off. Um, uh, and what what's his name? Who's also hitting Desmond shots? Bain. Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain. De- Desmond Baines is Desmond Baines is doing way more he's, than I thought. He's he that would. dude. He's that dude. He's doing way more. They have toughness. They have grit. They 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 talking about LeBron's ball spot in games after getting buckets. Like they're doing. <laughs> I don't it like all. that. I don't like that. Hey. they're – well, I don't even know why you would be upset with that. Like, look at your head. I know. <laughs> Dude, come on. I'm talking about LeBron. I'm saying, come on. That's my guy. I love LeBron. I appreciate the comment <laughs> on my hair. I'm just saying, that's my guy. I got to stick. I got to look out for Yo, him. He's a LeBron stand. He should have went bald. Bron sexual. Bron sexual over here. Is oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, you that's him. Do that to me. That's you got to do that to me, HP. Oh. I've been so kind to you this whole show. Hey, look. Come on I, appreciate, I appreciate kindness. I love all y'all. But 
it has to stop. It has <laughs> Come to stop. On. All right. There's Mom. a certain respect that you got to show the GOAT. Is that not fair? The what? The who? I said what I said. There's a certain respect What'd you, you say? got to show to the GOAT. Stop, man. So I think that the Cleveland Cavaliers are um, not going to make it as far because (laughs) East is a whole lot more tough this year. I do expect at some point the lack of experience to uh, catch up with them. I think they're playing great basketball. Um, And honestly, I know this sounds bad. And, you know, to go back to what y'all were also saying, does Colin Sexton come back before the season is over? He can. If he does, then I actually don't think that they're going to make it. The playoffs? No, no, no. Oh, They'll make oh, 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 oh. I don't think they make it past the first round. Oh, okay. If, if Colin comes back. And that's not a knock to So Colin, right now, I, right now, the Cavaliers would face Philly if the season were to end today. today. I actually oh. think that's a perfect matchup for them. I yeah, think with, it is. With, the, with, with the combination of Mobley and Allen, I think that would make it really tough okay. for Embiid. And if Embiid isn't going, Philly can't really do too much. But alluding to the question, I, I got it. You know, Memphis last year, like you said, Dylan Brooks, he has a problem with yapping at the wrong people. You know, he, he yapped at Donovan Mitchell. We see how that worked out. He yapped at Steph one game, 40. He laughed. He, he yapped at Paul George. Paul George hit like five or six tough ones right on him. So Dylan Brooks has this issue where he's yapping a little too <laughs> early, just a little bit too early sometimes. Like, wait, man, just wait. But Memphis, like you said, in, in terms of just looking at the paths, you know, Memphis, in my opinion, I think the only two teams that definitively beat them is Phoenix and the Warriors. I think it would be a great series, but I think those are the two teams. Like, I would be surprised if Memphis wins, but I wouldn't be surprised if they make it tough. But so in the East, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers, there's us, the Bulls. Then you got the Bucks, You got the Nets. Then you got uh, Miami. Philly's still a tough challenge. So there's just a lot more depth in the East. And for Cleveland, you know, they don't have a – like, I don't think Darius Garland is a guy yet, if that makes sense. Like, come playoff time. go-to guy? Yeah, you know John Moran. Take over? You know, you know what time it is. John Moran's going to take over. He's shown that. Even in the bubble, he showed that a little bit. With Darius Garland, I don't think he's had that moment yet where he can show you he's the guy. And he'll, he'll have his opportunity to show us when it comes playoff time. But I don't think Cleveland plays such a comfortable brand of basketball where they are very stick to their game plan. They don't really go out of it. Darius Garland, is it that? He hasn't shown that yet. So I think... With, you know, Brooklyn, when it comes down to the wire, I trust Brooklyn. I think Chicago right now, we have Zach and DeMar. DeMar especially, I trust us coming down against them. At least Miami, Jimmy Butler is one of the clutchest players in the league. I trust him. And then, of course, Milwaukee, they have Giannis. So I think in the East, Cleveland could be a first-round exit, but it wouldn't be a bad thing. It's a step in the right direction. With Memphis in the West, I project they're going to come out of the West the first round, and they have to see the Phoenix or the Warriors, and I think that's when they'll lose to one of those teams. I'm pretty on par with you guys, too. I look at the Cavaliers, and I think what they've done this season is outstanding. Without a doubt, deserves endless praise. But I don't think it's meant for a championship run yet. I Or, excuse me, or a playoff run yet, or getting past the first round type of run. Philadelphia would be a good matchup, because like you mentioned, they do have the size. And they would have one of the better, the better front courts to defend against MB, but even still, I think it'll be difficult. And I just think that he's playing at a whole different level. It would be a great series. I think that Philly does have a chance to beat them, given the fact that they, they have been there. They have the experience. I would probably lean Philadelphia in that situation, but 
no doubt Cavaliers do have the, the personnel to match up well against them. I look at the Grizzlies, and they're just playing too good of basketball right now. You guys hit it right in the head. There's two teams right now clear-cut that I would take over them. You have the Suns. You have the Warriors. Warriors have the most playoff experience by far, and you have the Suns who are playing the best basketball in the NBA. It's that fair. You look at the Grizzlies. They're the upcoming team right now. You have John Moran who's playing at an MVP level. I don't disagree by any means of what you said of having his own shoe. He takes flight. He above the rim type. He has that type of abilities. It's inevitable until we start to see him start to become a transcendent type ball player. And you look at Jaron Jackson, his impact. He actually leads the league in blocks since the start of 2022. He's been incredible. Desmond Bain. We saw John Morant go out and Desmond Bain start to get more opportunity. And it built up his confidence to be this consistent ball player since John Morant has returned. Dylan Brooks will come back in seamlessly, be that great defensive player that he is for the Grizzlies and give you a calm 15 points. That's just what Dylan Brooks can do. You have Steven Adams, who at first I was skeptical of the trade, trading Valanciunas for Steven Adams. But it seemed to be a perfect fit where Steven Adams just fits what the Grizzlies are trying to accomplish. I think right now you look at the grand scheme of things. East is a very, very tight conference right now. And in the West, I see the the, the Grizzlies easily getting past the Nuggets. You have Jokic, who is going to be a, 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 a bitch to get past, no doubt. But – the Grizzlies are playing too good a ball that I, I'm completely confident that the Grizzlies will get past them. And in round two, it gets interesting because you're saying that they'd have to match up against the Warriors or the Suns, and then that's where it gets tough for me. I give them a better chance against the Warriors, I guess, just what? because the Suns are playing. I, I, I mean, with all due respect, you guys aren't playing the best of ball right now. You guys have won a few games in a row. Draymond's Ooh. out. Yeah, Rip. Draymond's been out. Draymond has been out, and he's he is so essential to what you no. guys have. But I do listen, man. I'm sorry, I'm not all in on you guys being this championship team yet. I'm That's sorry, ridiculous. this season, I'm not in on it. But you're all in on Phoenix. I do think Phoenix <laughs> is the most complete team right now. You see no, you how when it, their guys go out, they just plug in so seamlessly. You know what? I ain't gonna. Say, you know what? Because it's because we they played three times already. You know, the Golden State won twice already. But you know what? I'm just going to wait until Steph, Clay, and Dre play 20 games together. They haven't done that yet. So when they do that and you realize, oh, no, nah, they're back, I'm just – I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to Listen, and silent. your boy Steph Justin Curry Phoenix. has been – I do. Justin I do. I, and, I, and I've been very consistent with that. Justin However, Phoenix. your boy Steph Curry needs to pick it up. He needs He's to pick, pick it, it up. up lately. He's picked it up lately. He has, but I need to see it more on a consistent basis. He's that guy for sure. He's Steph Curry. Well, he but averages wanna, 30 think, on Phoenix, so. I think I Memphis. I think Memphis is a year ahead of Cleveland. I mean, they've been basically in the playoff picture the last two years. They yep. play in team Jaws rookie season, last made three. the playoffs last year. And now this year was the year they were supposed to take off. Cleveland caught us all by surprise. And like you mentioned, HP, the East is just far more competitive right now. I look at Cleveland and I say, yeah, they can't beat Chicago. They can't beat the Bucks. They can't beat the Nets, and they can't beat the Heat. They're going to have to beat a Philly team, and if Philly gets something, if they trade Ben Simmons and they get somebody noteworthy, that's a tough series. That's uh, a tough series regardless. What if Atlanta sneaks up, and what if they face Cleveland? You know, Can Atlanta beat Cleveland? I wouldn't count it out. I think Trey cannot play Garland. I think Clint Capella, oh, yeah. Jared Allen kind of cancel each other out. So I could see Atlanta beating Cleveland. With Memphis, it's a little bit easier because 
You look at the West and outside of Phoenix and Golden State, are we I'd pushing say, them against uh, uh, like Joel? Let me ask you since you're already talking and everybody else, are we pushing Memphis over Utah and Dallas that quickly? I'm not pushing Memphis over Dallas because I think Luca and if Luca the past two years has lost to the Clippers in the playoffs to Kawhi yep. and PG. He's not losing to Memphis. If the Memphis Grizzlies match up with Dallas, Luka is going to average 30, and he's going to push him past Memphis. I just have that belief. He's a he, by himself? He's not by himself. I'm asking, but you're saying Luka. That's what I'm they, wondering. They played, they, no, because Luka, Luka, right Luka right now has the highest point-per-game average in the playoffs in the games he's played in history. They play I, defense now, Drew. KP, they play defense. KP, play defense KP can do his thing against them. I think Finney Smith is a very good defender. Jalen Brunson is going to do his thing as well. They have a pretty good team. But Luka ultimately is just that guy that Luka's just, he's just on a different level. He's a top 10 player in the NBA. But but Ja isn't getting into that category? I don't think so. <laughs> Why are you saying that? I mean, Ja is great. I just, Luka is just, he's different. He's different. I agree. I think, I definitely believe Luka is the better ball player. But is it by that significant margin that it once was? Yes, it still is. It's yes. still it's still it's a still it's still it's a significant, significant margin. And we're pushing we're opinion. pushing we're pushing Memphis over Utah is what we're saying. I think I Memphis. I'm can, out on Utah. I I'm think, out on Utah. I think Memphis can beat Utah, but that's going to be a close series as well. I just think where they are right now is a perfect position. You're going to face Denver. Memphis is at least right now, at least how it looks like, they're going to get past the second round. Second round. I agree. Cleveland, I have Ash trouble believing two. in them. Hmm? Past the second round. No, he means to no get, they're going to get, means, they're oh, gonna get, get to. to the second round. Oh. Memphis, I feel like everything has to go right for them to make the Western Conference Finals. I don't think they can beat Phoenix or Golden State. Cleveland, for me, I think everything has to go right just for them to get past the first round. Like, they have to get the right matchup in order for them to get past the first round. What do you think, JC? I mean, I pretty much agree with all of you. I think Memphis is more primed for, I guess, a deeper playoff run. I mean, I think Memphis is, obviously, they're going to beat Denver. If they're the third seed, that means in the next round, they would play the two seed. So they'd play Phoenix or Golden State, depending on how the, how the season goes, the standings. I don't have them going past Phoenix. I don't have them going past Golden State. Now, as far as um, Cleveland, it's tricky because I'm, I'm pretty sure Charlotte is only a game and a half out of that spot. So if Charlotte could somehow catch Philly or Philly, like I'm not saying like, God forbid, nobody gets injured or, you know, Joel Embiid or somebody goes out for an extended period of times and they can catch them in the standings, then I would gladly take Cleveland over Charlotte in the series. But if it's if it's Philly... I would lean more towards Philly. I think Philly would win in a six to seven game series. But then the other the other time on this podcast, I mean, we were over here discussing discuss, uh, discussing Joel Embiid's playoff woes, and you know how that's the main difference between him and Nikola Jokic is Nikola Jokic has stepped up in the playoffs. Joel Embiid has gotten there injured and hasn't really been a hundred percent. So um, no, I do think I do agree with you guys. I do think Memphis is the better overall team. And I think they're, uh, they are a year or two ahead of Cleveland because nobody saw Cleveland granted. Nobody saw Memphis doing this, but we, we kind of felt Memphis was a playoff team with Cleveland. We didn't know if we, we were at my season rankings. I had them as, as a uh, playing team, I think, or just out of the playing team. So they've exceeded my expectations, but just being how it's it's lined up, if we're talking about today, I don't think Cleveland gets past Philly. I think they make it tough. I don't think they get past Philly. But I think Memphis playing just Nikola Jokic without Jamal Murray, without MPJ, 
you know, and I don't want to say that lackluster supporting cast, but that supporting cast that's not up to par. You could say that, it. bro. It's not that great. Yeah, it's not that good. So, uh, yeah, I would take Memphis second round, though. I think that's as far as Memphis gets because they're going to either run into Golden State or Phoenix, and I don't think they're ready for either one of those teams. So, I, yeah, I, I have I, Memphis getting farther. I feel like this year's Cavaliers team feels a lot like the the last year's Knicks. And I know that they have real stars. I got Darius Garland to me is a real star. Jared Allen, at least defensively, is a real star. Evan Mobley, Mobley he's a rookie, but he's going to be a star. You talk about Charlotte, and if like Cleveland faces Charlotte, last year we were talking about the Knicks and the Hornets series, like, okay, um, the Knicks and the Hawks series, like, okay, the Knicks probably could beat the Hawks because they're so great defensively, but the Hawks just have so many shot creators. If the Hornets are in a series with the Cavs, this you have you have LaMelo, Rozier, Hayward, Miles Bridges. Why can't they beat Cleveland? Because they're the worst defensive team in the world. There we go. Way better defensive to team me, to me, I feel like in the playoffs, if you got if you just got buckets, you can get past a Cleveland. That's Name oh, a, that limited that yeah. is offensively limited. I don't think Cleveland's offensively limited. They are. I, they're I like think, they're ranked like twenty eighth in think, the NBA. I, I'm gonna always look at the team with better defense, and, and Cleveland's offense isn't even that bad. Cleveland's offense is good. I believe it's a top ten offense, like around number ten or number nine, and they're a good defensive team. I'm always gonna lean towards a team that's good on both sides of the ball. We were here discussing a month ago how bad Charlotte's defense was and how like it's one of the worst defenses of all time. So it's like I don't know. I just I'm the Cavs. The Cavs are 22nd in points per game. They're 14th in offensive rating. But still, oh, so they're, so they're that sounds rate. like a middle of the pack offense. They're 14th okay. in offensive rating. Yeah, I, I can't get behind a team that's as great as Charlotte is offensively. There's that bad defense. Like they was maybe like a, okay defensively. I can get behind that. But then again, these are two fresh teams, two young teams. So it's like it could really go either way. I mean, obviously Lamelo and Garland. That's going to be a fun matchup. But I just look at yeah. defensively. If they hard Cleveland, trap Darius Garland, what happens? Whew. Well, what if Cleveland packs the paint and destroys Charlotte in the paint? They have no bigs. I'll let Jared Allen beat me. I can live with that. That's fair. That's I that's fair. That's fair. If Jared, if Jared Allen beats me, then I was destined to go home. I mean, I think Jared <laughs> yeah. Garland hard enough to make the right plays. To be honest, I think. Uh, um. Oh, HP. I wanted to mention this. I was watching your video about Alonzo, and. I'm very happy to see that you think Lonzo's a role player as well. Oh, who thinks otherwise? Nobody. We po- no I, I posted a TikTok on the on the podcast page one time, and we were talking about uh, it was like our top three most overrated players. I was like, Lonzo's overrated. Everybody thinks he's this superstar when he's not. He's he just is. a role player. Yes. Everybody in the most. If you look at the comments, they were like, "Oh, this guy called Lonzo overrated. Oh, he's a." Oh, he's a casual. He's this. I'm like, <laughs> what do y'all think Lonzo is? Like Lonzo's Lonzo is guard, bro. like That's Lonzo is. is just a role player. And the fact that people still have people still cling on to this all star hope with him is ridiculous to me. I'm, I'm gonna tell you that in stone. I'm I'm gonna tell you the reason why, and it's something that like I'm so tired of, and it's something I hate about like just this generation of not only basketball but people in general is. <laughs> People base how good you are or how far you'll go based on how much they like them. If I like, like in this age of basketball now, you got overtime hoops, shout out to them, you know, doing a great job. But you got overtime hoops where if they post you, 
enough, kids will just clamor around and just be like, this guy is the GOAT. And it's like, he has not done anything. Like, people were saying that Lonzo Ball was going to be the face of the NBA. People were saying that Lonzo Ball was going to be a 6'7 Steph Curry with a jump shot on the side of his head like this. <laughs> like, like, anybody who has eyes could see that Lonzo was nowhere near that back in college. Now, does that mean that he sucks? No, I'm not saying that at all. He's a good player who has developed his game a lot. He has gotten a jump shot. And as a result, he's got paid good money and he's going to be in the NBA for a very long time. And if he gets on a really, really good team, he might have one all-star in his career. One. But, <laughs> yeah, make sure I say that. <laughs> the emphasis. Bro, because because you got to be just clear and concise with people. Because they'll you give them an inch and they'll just be like, see, I told you, Lonzo, go. <laughs> He's going to Andrew Lonzo. Wiggins it, basically. Basically. You might get more than one. Don't do that to he, Andrew. He, he might because he's playing such good basketball for the Golden State Warriors. But he's also putting up numbers. He's a top defender right now. He's hitting threes at a high level. Lonzo legit will have a game where he'll hit six threes in a row, and then we'll go 0 for 8 the next game. Like, yeah. if Is if, that true? Yes. If, Yes, especially when he was with New, uh, New Orleans. New Orleans, I agree. But I feel like as no, his has, career has gone on. He has his moments, Drew. He has but his I'm moments. saying as his career has gone on, I feel like he's definitely worked on his mechanics. He's become more of an efficient shooter, right. at least at least numbers-wise, and, and right. definitely from the three ball. He's, right. he's a role player, agree. But in terms of of his, his shot, I feel like it's a little bit better than, than – the 0 for 7, his efficiency is, is getting better as his years has gone His on. efficiency is better, but teams still leave him open. Like, yeah. not, not as Which much as they mistake. once did. It's a mistake. Sometimes. Sometimes it's not. Yeah. Uh, like, like, that's I, that's I'll basketball. That's I'll basketball. Say, I'll, I'll say this. If Lonzo Ball hits eight threes on me, I was meant to die anyway. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm on that train still. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I said, Lonzo has developed. His jump shot looks way better. Way better. And because of that, he's going to be in the league for, you know, God forbid any injury. He's going to be in the league for at least the next 10 years. Yeah, I agree. And that's what I've always said about Lonzo. And it's funny because when he first got traded to Chicago, I was like, he's not going to get the ball much. He's going to be he's literally going to be what he was with the Pelicans, a spot up shooter, a great defender. Everybody yep. thought, no, he's going to be a role player. He's going to be running the <laughs> offense. He's going to be facilitating. I'm like, you're giving him the ball over Levine and DeMar. And that's right. just the Lonzo defect. He just has such a big fan base that people, like you said, based off how good he's going to be over how many fans he has and how much they like him, basically. Yeah. He, you know, like Levine and DeRozan get their buckets in ISO. They need the ball. They want, you know, four or five dribbles in to get in their shot. Lonzo passing them the ball isn't going to be in the equation of that. If Lonzo wants to remain a focal point or a piece, I should say, to any NBA team, he has to develop his jump shot, which he has done. And as a result, he's going to be in the league for the next 10 years. But I never in my life thought that he was going to be he wasn't going to be anything close to a star. He wasn't going to be the sun. He wasn't going to be my nightlight. <laughs> any of that. Hey. So that's going to do it for episode 150 of the Pick Aside podcast. We want to thank Hoop Politics, a.k.a. Signory Jackson, for being on 
the show. I hope I said that right. <laughs> Sigourney, yep. Sigourney. 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 Okay, okay. Yeah, y'all are all good, man. Look, I really appreciate you guys for having me on. This has been like the coolest experience. I'm not saying that because I'm on here. This has been like the coolest experience I've ever been a part of for a podcast. I can't wait to do it in person. Y'all are going to blow up. Y'all are doing great. And I'm just so blessed and appreciative to have y'all on here. We appreciate it, man. We're gonna see how appreciate these, the love, bro. We're gonna see how these TikTok clips do, man. Let's see oh, what the wait, comments wait. looking before, like. Before before everybody go, Nets or Warriors? Who y'all got? I got Warriors. the Nets. James Harden is not playing, so I got oh, no, the Warriors. No. Oh yeah, I got it's the just Warriors. Just Kyrie. No. Just Kyrie's playing. Yeah, I got That's, the Warriors then. Yeah, Warriors. yeah, Warriors are gonna win. Warriors. Damn. So oh, you guys, let me, say, let me say real quick, yo, if y'all can. Anybody out there, if y'all want to be up to date on just anything concerning who politics, follow the TikTok and follow the YouTube. If y'all want to know about where right y'all, now. if y'all want to go, um, if y'all want to know how to get to the next level collegially, y'all want to know how to get better. Y'all want to know what AU programs to be a part of, what prep schools, whatever it is. Follow the link. It's in my bio on TikTok. Go to YouTube channel. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And thank you so much for having me. Yes, sir. We'll put the link down in our description box on the on Spotify, Apple, on the YouTube We'll put it down so you guys can follow him. This was a great experience. We want to thank you again for your time. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Pick Aside Podcast, on Twitter at Pick Aside Pod. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.